Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome once again to Cult Following, episode 95 of your favorite local podcast with four guys who just love movies, talking about them, listening to us talk about them, and just uh, film criticism, film commentary. It runs in our veins. We are passionate folk, angels to some, demons to others. Every other week or so, you can find us here at Cult Following on iTunes falling.co and anywhere good podcasts are bought and sold i'm one of your four hosts for this occasion victor moreno along with kirby nelson <laughs> joshua t ruth uh did you say four hosts yes and adam rutkowski me yeah he, he's back everybody yes i get starstruck when adam's here I know. Adam is a very important person. And exactly. as such, he is very deserving of our respect. One and might one might say there would be no cult following without Adam. I so think that's very fair to say. We are very, very happy to have you. As Adam plays with our action figures. A single I love tear you, Adam. Down his cheek. Adam is doing toy review for us right now. <laughs> I know. I really want to get into doing toy reviews. This is one of the things I'd like to get into doing. <laughs> to this, start your retirement This fund. clay face is squishy. Right? No, just like, you know, we review movies. I know you guys all like toys the same as we do. Yeah. I know. It's like yesterday I was watching the Mortal Kombat 11 press event, and I was just thinking, God, wouldn't that be cool to be there and seeing all these people in crazy cosplay playing mortal kombat 11 i mean yes and no yeah like it would be kind of cool but it maybe not worth it like but uh mm. it'd be cool it'd be cool if you were local cool. it'd be extra cool i know, know right if you were making a trip for that um yeah true 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 so everything on this guy is very articulated and you can like spin his leg all the way around uh-huh. and like the knees and the ankles and whatever and you know his arm will do shit like that what guy I is that? I don't know. It's a Arkham. dead shot from oh. Arkansas. So, but like this arm, that's that's as much mobility as you get out of it. Yeah. You can't even put to his arm fair, down. That, I'm not, it's not being fair. That is that's it's a TV. Chinese knockoff. That oh, one. bootleg. Bootleg well, so toys. What? Well, the arm, it, it's just same fucking arm. Yeah. No, no, if it's some, a bootleg, some, that, I think that's your answer. It's because they probably got Adam, the arm off of something. <laughs> a, a child died to make that figure for oh, you to play man. with. <laughs> There's a dead child's soul inside the figure. <laughs> uh, I'd like to believe that's true, and I'm a captor of dead children. Greetings from Toytopia. Is that a name of a choice place? It should be if it's not already. Toytopia. Do you guys remember? Uh, I mean, everybody remembers Toys R Us. Does anybody remember Child World Toys? No, I remember Lionel's Play World. Oh. Uh, no, Child's World had a panda in uh, overalls. No. No, I mean, I've, I've heard about since. I've never but, heard uh, of that. There's oh. a great, uh, I think I mentioned the channel before, is Toy Galaxy mm. on YouTube. They did one on the, uh, it was called the the Rise and Murder, like Life and Murder of KB Toys. Yeah. And KB Toys one, I did not know that, like, the whole story. That is what you call like, a I brutal, watch it. brutal takeover. No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers, you but know, amazing. I remember hearing last year that to, that KB Toys was supposed to like come back in time for Christmas. Yeah, I heard that. And then that bait. never like happened. But apparently Toys R Us came back as like an aisle in yeah, uh in fries like, or, oh, no, fries right. food and drugs. It's terrible too. It's like it's like a cardboard thing with Jeffrey. It's a travesty. Uh it's like it's like a tree museum. 
It's like a tree in a tree museum. A tree museum. Yep. A little yeah. bit of buzzing here. Hey, the the man, spirit sorry, of Jeffrey buzzing, or that uh, Chinese slave child. Like, uh, Chinese slave in. child should be the name of one of the tracks <laughs> on your next album. <laughs> we can only hope. Oh, yeah. All but right. It, in this episode of Cult Falling, we're going to talk about our favorite films of 2018. Yeah. Because now we are in the year of our Lord 2019. Yeah, we are. And uh, there's been a lot of stuff that came out. I wish I'd gone to see everything. You know, it's just crazy. It's always it, man. Um, You know, it sucks, too, because it's like a word season. Like, everything comes out yeah. right at the end of the end. It's like, come on. Like, I can't catch everything. Um, I actually wrote my list on, I don't know, probably like the fourth. Yeah. And I have, I've seen things since, but I'm like, I'm not changing my list. And honestly, the things I've seen since... I don't think really would have made the cut anyway. Yeah. Um, but definitely some good movies. Well, there's sure. some too that just like, I mean, for people, you know, it's, it's, I, it's interesting now how they're doing like the digital release. Like I noticed a bunch rushed for Christmas, like right. uh, goosebumps too. And like Halloween and a few others were doing it digital, but I always wonder too, like people rushing to buy it just so they could do like, you know, for people in the cut, this kind of business, yeah. we're trying to do, lists because it's like unless you have screeners or you know any of that kind of stuff it's really hard gotta see that goosebumps too just in case it's gonna make your top 10 well i'm just saying god i'm I'm just throwing it out there but i'm just i'm those are just two i'm thinking of that like i did notice they were doing a heavy obviously goosebumps too for kids and stuff but then halloween they did a huge push too right like um you know all these movies now they they do and some you know that really had limited theatrical runs like I've noticed a big online presence for Suspiria, um, um, like like the, the yeah. release of it. Mm, interesting. So yeah, I think that's a movie that's going to do better on video or probably. streaming or download, whatever. You know, um, definitely. Yeah, uh-huh. but I don't know. I I think uh, we can start talking about some of the stuff we saw. I mean, uh, I think we we talked about doing like round robin style, like top mm-hmm. five yeah definitely yeah, i like that we, we did it last year it and then we could well. talk about like you know favorite genre films or sure. runner-ups at the end oh sure, yeah, sure honorable definitely. mentions if you will yeah so i think we can start with kirby and just go around all right sure all right and kirby nelson with his number five number five um yeah no i actually um every year and stuff since we started doing this last year so second year i guess i was gonna say i'm um, excited about your list kirby i yeah. don't mean to cut you up but no. like you always end up saying something that like i've never even heard of or yeah. that i've never seen uh, and i'm like oh and it ends up i'll being be honest I, I think i only have one kind of like probably surprising pick uh-huh but i i really do each year like one when we're not in the constraints of like Try like in earlier lists, like when we began this podcast, I remember we had some pretty lengthy, like top 10, 15s, 20s. Right. Um, right. So it was kind of getting out of control. So I, I do think one, and I've mentioned this on the podcast for Adam, our, our beloved oh, brother yes. and guest. Hi. Hello. When he did the NCAA bracket of films, I always thought that that was one of the most brilliant ideas in the perspective. If you were really forced to choose what uh, movies yeah. you loved and enjoyed, and that's actually where I'm going to That's start caused with. a lot of tumult in my yeah. list because, like, I know there's, like, the, I think my top couple movies could easily flip. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Same. Well, I just, I mean, I really think it's important. You know, I've watched so many films, and the first thing that was the easiest thing to cut the fat was every film I forgot. Yeah. Like, I literally could yeah. not remember 90% of the movie. 
So if I forgot it, it's like it's not even remotely considerable. But then there's films that's like, would I ever like I say it goes back to that root? Would I really enjoy watching them again? Or when it when I watched it, did it have an impact that instantly I was like, this is a real contender? Mm-hmm. And last year I started with Girls Trip, which was like by far my favorite comedy. And so I really, you know, especially as I'm getting older, really enjoy comedy. It's getting harder for things to truly make me laugh and resonate. But the film, I literally did nearly piss myself laughing this year and had to pick first. Hereditary? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that was more, you know, I'm going to pick out and ready. Um, but anyways, the, um, no, it was um, most definitely Deadpool 2. Nice. Which, um, years ago. Which version? Yeah, oh, you know, ah. I haven't even seen the the Fred Savage. I don't even make that one up. I, I, won't, I won't sully that, but I will say I I. I liked Deadpool too as well. I wouldn't make my cut, but like I do think Fox's super crass strategy of like, here's Deadpool two, buy the Blu-ray and get a completely different cut. Oh, right. by the way, we're releasing a PG thirteen version yeah, too. Right, right. Yeah, I I just I mean I went to like one of the, like uh, the preview night like late night screens, so maybe it was the environment too. Uh-huh. But even watching it myself, I just really think they're it's hard now in you most people would argue anywhere between we're almost 20 years from x-men the the original and 15 plus years uh what are we 17 years from spider-man so it's like at this point in time with the glut of comic movie book movies which more and more i just do not like or have much preference for I mean, it's really like one in the ten that are released. Yeah, you're you don't really like the Marvels too much either, do you? I don't like Marvel, and I'm not even a huge fan of DC. It's just right. one of those things now where people are just like, "Oh my god, this was the most amazing movie," and I'm like, I- "I'm glad you enjoyed it." I just, you know, there's no real risk taken. Mm-hmm. Deadpool two is a serious risk, like in terms of even though the first one had success, but they had to take a gamble on it, and I love that one too. But this one just was everything I wanted. Probably my, probably right now one of my top ten post credit scenes of all time. Like <laughs> I just could not like that. It's really good. It's beyond meta. It, it's just yeah. absolutely perfect. Yeah. Being able to laugh at yourself is something that is some people it's really easy and some people it's more difficult. But I just felt like everything here. I felt it was a good story. I felt it, of course, as is you know very self deprecating in every in every instance. But I mean, I actually laughed. I can't think of a comedy. Or a film that was marketed as a comedy that I actually laughed as much as Deadpool too. So, like, like I said, I kind of went back and forth. There were other movies I saw this year, yeah, that I thought were funny or enjoyable. But I mean, the pure experience of actually enjoying not only, I mean, especially compared to a lot of the other stuff that was released this year in the same genre, I'm like, I was just bored. Like this one, I enjoyed every single minute of it. So yeah, it had it had pick. to be number five for me. Do you uh, I, do do you think you liked it more than the first one? Or yes. yeah, awesome. yeah, that one took a, a little bit of time, but I, I honestly would say, I think it's just so unbelievably you know over the top, but also restrained in its own. Yeah. Like it, it just acknowledges itself. Like yeah. I, I just enjoy films like that more and more. Than I agree. I, I like yeah. it more than the first one. Honestly, I, yeah. I like the first one quite a lot, but um, I don't know. There's like I you know. 
there's that whole torture sequence in the middle and everything, and it's like well, that the kind of isn't really compelling at all, right? Well, and it's also I... just a kind of like a gruesome movie at times, yeah. and it's like that's not really what I'm coming to Deadpool for. Um, you know, like I understand, sure, it's going to be violent, um, but I want to have a good time, and there's a lot of the first Deadpool that's not really that good of a time, yeah. Um, and uh, and so that's why you know I really do like the second one because yeah. it is more of just yeah. a romp. Well, and the decimation of like X Force has got to be yeah, like one so of the good. funniest. Oh, yeah. Sections ever. Yeah. I think, I mean, just because, again, it's just like, you know, everyone else would spend years trying to make a setup like that. Like, here's the next team. Sure. Yeah. And here's how we're going to do it. Well, and, and, and the trailers sold it that way. I mean, yeah. that's the best part about that gag is that you really thought X Force was in the movie. Completely. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and, and to, to, to commit to it in that way was really, really good. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like the super duper cut of Deadpool, too. Like, the the um opening credits uh gag is much is yeah. super great and super like super great I, I really think um the director of the movie i don't remember his name offhand it is one of the guys who killed Ron right Wayne yeah Stogg, yeah exactly the guy who directed atomic yeah. blonde and honestly like between john wick atomic blonde john wick 2 and deadpool 2 i mean they're on a they're on a roll. I mean, and I saw the trailer for John Wick three yesterday. Oh, really? Parabellum, and I'm like, I want to watch that movie right now. Is that from the same director as two? Yes. Awesome. I'm all about it then. Yeah. That and guy's I mean, freaking I just, awesome. I guess that's another thing too. Like, I mean, of course, I was a huge fan of of John Wick two, but it's for me. It's just I love, uh, you know, speaking of last year, but I love revenge movies, and, yeah. and to do something where it's not the Death Wish, Clint Eastwood kind of model. Because so many use that as their base and template. I'm pretty sure a Death Wish starring Bruce Willis will not make anyone's <laughs> no, top ten. No, will not. Spoiler, will not. Nor will Eli Ross house with the clock in its walls. Uh, yeah. Although I will say, I like. I guess that would be a special mention. Seeing Thriller in 3D IMAX yeah, was fucking I'm, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm envious of that one. Yeah, but that was sure. um that was you know there, I just like I said if you like when you talk about like the, the good time movie for me. And I feel that's important. Like, the, the, like I said, Deadpool, there's just no comparison. Two, is, there's just no comparison. Awesome. Man. Awesome. So, I don't know. Let's turn it to Josh. What do you got for number five? Uh, so, my number five, uh, I would also consider to be a good time movie, um, uh, which is Upgrade. Oh, oh Upgrade. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and the thing is, is I, I didn't think I would possibly ever really like Upgrade. Like, I shouldn't. Like, I saw the trailers and I was is that, like. Is that the sequel to Idiocracy? Uh, right. No, not quite. Not not quite. That did pretty good, though. Um, but I get the Upgrade with, like, a Y. And D, yeah. D, yeah. Got it. That's a good one. It's a good joke. But. Um, no, it's it, not that good. It's pretty good. It's because I do. Th- I thought about I that. I just every thought time. about that every single yeah, time upgrade, that I have to put it yeah. in a playlist. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. The thing is, is it's like, this is a guy who, like, helped, you know, co-created, like, the Saw series, right? Yeah, Lee wan Yeah, you know, and, and this is, you know, Lee wan is like, you know, he directed um, uh, Insidious Chapter 3, which I hadn't seen when I saw Upgrade, and, like, I watched it because I was like, you know, I love Upgrade, and I was like, it's not a good movie at all. Yeah. Like, it is not a good movie. So, by all rights, Upgrade kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but I just feel like Upgrade is this just a- incredibly well-crafted lightning in a bottle movie. Yeah. Um, it's smart. And I, I think it's like what I love most about Upgrade is the way that it uses its budget. I mean, that, that movie had a $3 million budget. It looks so expensive. And it just yeah. looks great. And you have these, um, you know, these scenes where it's like 
you have like a dark and dirty hallway that he just throws blue glow sticks on the ground and there's just all these glow sticks on the ground for no reason but because it's just that's vaguely futuristic right mm-hmm. um because you can read into that whatever you want i mean i remember thinking like oh that must be like some like future drug like sure from robocop exactly yeah because it gives you this impression that oh well that must be like discarded cartridges or something like that yeah and um yeah it's just uh i i i think it's a very funny movie it's got awesome action every time i hear a nuke the first thing i hear the kid goes wild like, it just <laughs> that's that a reference to. that's the song that plays every time the kid is in like the party scenes in RoboCop 2. Oh, I don't <laughs> yeah. even remember. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice pull. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so it, it's just a great action movie. It's super funny. It's got a, and I won't spoil it here, but it's got a very, I would say, bold ending as well. Yeah, agreed. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I loved Upgrade. It's just a, a, a genre exercise that I feel was expertly realized. I wish I didn't see trailers for it. Yeah. yeah, me too. Honestly. It's, it's totally. funny how many people I, you know, who've gone to see Venom, I've said, if you liked Venom, right. one of the reasons you like Venom, go watch Upgrade and you'll think Venom is a piece of garbage. Yeah, absolutely. And it's weird because so many people like call Logan Marshall Green like the poor man's Tom Hardy. Right, right. But he's in the better movie yeah, this year for sure. Yeah, he's in the better you know man and thing he talks to right movie yeah exactly and he doesn't have to force an accent right yeah. the worst accent ever yeah like seriously. i gotta say ever victor... do a razzie will have to do like tom hardy doing the american accent I, I, I like watching this movie watching venom i was like which accent is worse his american accent in venom or his american accent in warrior <laughs> yeah well, I also always, it's funny. With I think, Nick Nolte pretty bad. his father. I think you brought that up when we originally talked about it. And the one, another like reference point though is it plays in my head instantly is there was one, some non Segador family guy where it's um, Liam Neeson as a cowboy. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, 100, uh, we need to take care of this 100 hectares of, of land <laughs> before the, uh, the coming furlough or whatever. You know, it's just this ludicrous like old english heavily accented american cowboy and i'm like man that is spot on right yeah weird i I will say speaking of uh speaking of funny end scenes i like the liam neeson end scene at the end of ted 2 is like the only reason to watch that movie have you guys seen ted 2 i have but i don't remember Uh, at the beginning liam neeson is buying cereal Uh uh-huh and he's asked ted like is tricks is this cereal only for kids <laughs> and it's this whole thing like i i, I guess so you know <laughs> and it, like you can buy it as an adult and then he like buys it all like warily and at the end of the credits of ted 2 mm-hmm. it's liam neeson all beat up and bloodied returning a box of tricks he leaves it and just walks away slowly wow it's pretty good it's that yeah. you want to talk about movies i literally do not remember yeah. anything yeah, of the movie either yeah i saw that, i think at the dollar theater and i was like i think i want my dollar we went back. we went on a cruise and i we played it like three times <laughs> in our rooms. Like, okay. that, that speaks for itself well we were joking like seriously like there were movies they were playing on the tv stations on the cruise like these aren't real movies they just invented them for cruises <laughs> right like one where adam sandler was a plastic surgeon and jennifer aniston is like pretending to be his wife yeah no yeah i was like this this is do you sell this as part of the package (laughs) yeah 
see be movies honest, that Josh. don't exist. Yeah. I was like, we watched, there were like four my, Adam Sandler tool. movies on this cruise, man. And I was like, <laughs> he's on, on the cruise filming movies. Oh, come on. It's like the uh, um, Rob Schneider. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, a carrot. He's a carrot. <laughs> That's it. So good. Um, I am desperate to hear Adam's number five. I am too. Desperate. Ooh. He's, oh. got He's got a list. The envelope. The house with a clock in its walls. What? Yeah. No, it's not. Dang no. it. That would have been so good. That would have been so good, though. The dark reals. horse emerges. If you like, had that on his piece of paper and like showed us. Oh, I was in. I was just waiting here. <laughs> I was just spewing. <laughs> no, number five was... The list was really easy to make, like how Kirby was saying, you know, stuff just kind of stuck into place. Right. But because I usually do like a top 10 and do my letterbox and all that, and I haven't released it yet. Um, but doing number five, because you're kind of looking at the 10 and you're trying to bring it down to five, was really difficult. So I probably went through like three different ones, and now they're just kind of in the honorable mention pool. But my number five squeaking in there. <laughs> Is uh, uh, Ready Player One? Nice. Okay. Nice. I, it is I very. Mean, watchable. I mean, Ann and I had fun watching it. We we love the the shining scene. That's all we really wait for. And then the rest of it is just a bunch of noise uh-huh. after that. But uh, and well, usually that's when we fall asleep or like fall asleep on the couch because <laughs> it's just all. It is also a very uh, soothing movie. You know, it's just a guilty pleasure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to say, you know, turn your brain off and watch it because I'm, I'm getting sick of that term. Sure, sure. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's it's good background it's noise. Got eye can- it's got eye good candy. eye candy. Uh, it's very, it's nice just to see Steven Spielberg doing something that's, you know, uh, like lighthearted in some way. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. kind of playing around and having fun with it's stuff. It's much better than the book. And that's also uh, plus. It's an understatement of the yeah. entire, let's say, decade. Well, I, I do like the fact, I think I saw you mention it on Facebook, is that they do a very good job of giving the James Halliday character this kind right. of sad inner life. Well, that's the thing. And, and it's really in the book, it's it's the most surface level nonsense. And it's like, OK, it's a power fantasy. Yeah. And so is the movie. But you can't just have power fantasy. And that's what the book is. It is only this power fantasy. And it's like him divided over these two people. It's like him as if like he had power as a young man. And then him as if people actually cared about him as an old man. And mm-hmm. that's all Ernest Klein did is divided himself amongst these two characters. But the Easter eggs in the game, the things that they're looking for are just they are the most. It's about like, well, you have to be able to quote all of war games word for word that's literally one of the tests. yeah i hated all the tests and, in the book. and it's just about like okay so you know that one of his favorite movies is war games and you have to have memorized all of war games but the easter eggs in the film um they are things about understanding who he is as a person yeah and it's so much more deeper level and beyond just that um it's also about kind of his failings as a man and, and if you really dig down and think about that and you think about the idea of somebody who takes his failings as a man and then bears them out to the world because he was not able to communicate with anybody in life. Mm-hmm. And he wants people to learn, you know. And, and I just think that, you know, it, it does go. I wouldn't call this movie poignant in any way, but I think that by taking that little bit 
and by adding a you know just yeah. a little bit of depth to it, it did make a big. Difference. It does have little signs of that, like at the end when um the main character uh, Parsival uh-huh. asks you know the the James Halliday right. game like what are you right and he can't really he like, just like smiles like, yeah. yeah it's like a knowing wink yeah almost. right you know and it's like I like that that relationship like he grows because of Halliday in a way that's almost a nod to the you know uh doc brown marty yeah. relationship and back to the future well like, which is all over this movie yeah. i mean also alan silvestri yeah. doing the music um and that was really one of my favorite things here and i just let's just use this chunk here because uh, i will say ready player one is my number three film yeah okay um i and that surprised me more than anybody i really really loved ready player one and you know because i thought i mean i hate the book i hate the book so much and and um i was like this movie's like probably going to be a disaster but whatever we'll see if spielberg can pull it out but um i just think that you know what he managed to do with this film was remarkable because of the source material was so bad and it's funny watching the special features on it and how he like steven spielberg is like one of the most gracious people Mm -hmm. in the world if you see him in interviews like you know, he's just never has a bad word to say about anybody whatsoever. Yeah. And he's just talking about like, yeah, we took these great aspects of Ernest Klein's fantastic book and we just kind of changed it up a little bit. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you did. You know, you took the bare bones of it. But I just think where this film succeeds the most for me is technically. Um, I love just the, the CGI that's on display. I mean, it's I very good. I have this movie on 4K and like holy oh, that's crap! That's what I was gonna ask you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we just recently got it because we upgraded the television. Awesome. And uh, yeah, no, it's that's it's it's perfect for that. Yeah. I mean, just like any other animation is perfect for 4K. It's flawless. There's something about the way that he moves the camera, though. That I mean, I can't I, wait to see Spider Verse on 4K. Oh, oh right. Oh I mean, my geez, God, me please. too. In yeah. HDR, like that thing's gonna kill. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but it was the way that like that whole beginning se- uh, segment when you go into the Oasis and it's just swinging through these worlds and just, and it's just feels like you're on a roller coaster. Um, and I guess the thing I just, it's like, it's a movie that stuck with me. It's like a movie I saw and I was like, yeah, that was better than I thought. And then I saw it again. I was like, that's pretty good. And then like, I was like, had like a really bad night and like, was just like, I just want to watch a movie that doesn't have any bad vibes. And I popped it in. And it just made me feel better. And then I, I, you know, I had a lady friend over, and we just like sat down and you know watched the movie one afternoon just on the couch, and she loved it. And I showed it to another friend, and they loved it. It was just one of these things where it's like this movie has legs in a way that I didn't expect it to. Um, and again, it's I mean, it's my number three film of the year, and I definitely agonized over mine. I mean, um, you know, beating out movies like Spider Verse and things like that. So um, yeah, I, I mean, just in terms of a purely executed a perfectly executed escapist film that really kind of goes back to what I love about mm. the 80s and it's not just lasers and like laser sharks you know but it's like it's actually like getting back to that like you know the feeling of uh, explorers and goonies and mm-hmm. all that kind of feeling so well, I think that um just a quick comment because I do feel like that's an important thing is the um the kind of surprise factor or liking something down the line cuz Ready Player 1 I really had considered because rewatching it, I mean, I I literally walked in thinking I was going to hate that movie. Too, like, yeah. like you wouldn't believe. I haven't read the book. I I don't even want to. And now that I hear that, I if you saw me laughing while you're talking, I'm only laughing. Going, repeat, uh, war games verbatim. Right. I just think of like a North Korean like labor camp, 
and like this <laughs> giant most like the, most... this, this giant like Mao like image of Matthew Broderick. That's just what I see in my head. Right. But it like literally, I'm like that's got to be like the worst idea ever. Most of the challenges in the book are untenably boring mm-hmm. and stupid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like Adam brought up, I mean, the Shining part is just great. Yeah, um, and which the... I actually have generally i i've kept that so close so that right. it doesn't like i've never said to anybody i may have mentioned chucky because right. it was out there but yeah. like yeah. i have kept that so close sure. never telling anybody because i was like it, it's just so surprising because it's such like a family kind of movie. right right and right. then it's like holy shit did this go down fast but, when I, and i told people to go see it just for the scene. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and when I have yeah. to say it, then they come totally. back and they go, you were talking about The Shining, right? And, I was well, like, and that's yeah. another yeah. thing, too, yeah. about one thing I really, um, that Ray Player One did surprise me more than anything. Is I, and I've spoken very openly of my hatred of this kind of blind nostalgia. I mean, it's what cripples for things like Stranger Things for me. Right. It's like, it's it's a great series. But, like, it's, it's also a crippling thing because it, there's just way too much of a, a not only a rose-tinted viewpoint but it also things that just realistically would never have happened I like mean, I, personally that's no, no, like how what yeah. i feel about like eight millimeter or i'm sorry now not eight millimeter i always <laughs> say that super eight it's yeah. uh that's how i feel oh, like super right. eight whereas yeah, i, I feel like it movie. is more authentic with something like stranger things but i also think that with ready player one to what you're saying is something that is almost like kind of making a comment on nostalgia gone wild, well no exactly you know? and that's what i mean is is that what i what i'm trying to say is, is that that's the whole thing is is that like the shining is part of the 80s but most people don't look at it because the 80s for people is this very uh, like you almost say it's funny you say lasers because that's like pretty spot on like right. this very like laser tag um or it's like you know neon. walkman neon right. um you know local motion shirts like you know it's, it, a, it's 1987 yeah. everybody thinks the 80s is 87 you yeah know? <laughs> like, or whatever you know right. like or they depending on their age but they'll pick a point mm-hmm. in which it best suits them because no one ever says 1989 like i was the most right, surprising right. part about it like was like wow you picked 1989 yeah. like that is mostly for people like you know it's the end of the 80s so most people really wouldn't think of it as like a very traditional thing but i just want to say like i was really surprised um by that movie and how much i enjoyed it because i really thought um and that's a great thing like that just doesn't happen for me much in movies yeah. anymore is to actually just go in and not have any expectations or the lowest possible and just be completely blown away love the visuals love the story um just thought it was so much fun like that was that's another thing too because that's what i've always said one of the only films the last few years that i've had fun with was uh the original guardians of the galaxy yeah like that reminded me of why movies are fun and so that gray player one kind of hit that for me this year totally. yeah and i, and I just there's you know, to wrap it up, just have to say, I mean, what what he did, I mean, if you haven't, like, watched the special features, but the way he shot this film is remarkable. Like, he actually shot the film, like, basically in virtual reality. So he had the um, the, the motion capture uh, actors there on the, the, you know, basically on the, the green screen lot or whatever. But they actually would put on a virtual reality thing and look around in the set from what would be in the movie was there. So they would actually be able to visualize everything in the world that they were. And they basically made the film in VR. Um, and so it's a really fascinating. And again, like Steven Spielberg does, like he did with Jurassic Park, like he did with you know everything 
is that he's basically created a new way of making films and that's one of the reasons that it is like as immersive and as cool and kind of like he was able to actually do shots in virtual reality and have those go into the previs and then have the people just clean it up for the actual um, you know finalized film so yeah really cool stuff what do you got victor um, yeah, so I, I decided, because, I mean, there's a lot of movies I really like that came out this year, um, but yeah, I, I think, for the most part, just trying to juggle it to things that, like, I know you, you're probably, that, so that there's not a lot of overlap, I'm just gonna kind of, like, pick ones. Yeah, I wasn't sure here, because I was like, oh man, I'm, I, like, wondering how fast we were gonna get to, uh, the same ones here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'm gonna try to pick ones that like might be a little different so there's not like a ton of overlap so uh no no they're still from my list i mean i never really order it except for like you know top whatever but like i you know there's a lot of stuff that could go in and out but like i will say this one i've seen this movie probably more times this year like than any other movie and i'm still convinced it's like one of the best action movies ever made and I'm going to say Mission Impossible Fallout. Nice. I There's not a lot you can say. I mean, it, it, it bucks the trend of all the Mission Impossible movies having a new director. And then it bucks the trend directly by being a direct sequel to Rogue Nation. That, like, if you enjoyed Rogue Nation, you'll enjoy this, like, ten times over. But you don't have to have seen that. But Christopher McQuarrie, like, he... This is, like... Um, a lot of people complain about Christopher Nolan and like, oh, he makes great movies, but he can't shoot action pieces uh-huh. cleanly. And this is like, it feels like this, like, like if Christopher Nolan made a spy movie, right? And like, there's scenes in here where like they lay out everything, just like, oh, this is what's gonna happen, this is, and it's awesome. And and then like, just it's clean action. The, the chase scenes are amazing. Yeah, I agree. I just think that that it's. You're 100% dude like it is set piece after set piece and the thing that like will freak that it still freaks me out and you can see it plain as day is that tom cruise did fucking everything on this movie I know. when he's doing a like a, a motorcycle chase through through italy and going the wrong way on a turnabout that's not like some guy's face i know it's and him you can see it you can and see it makes it. a difference dude he freaking did a halo jump like, he did 60 <laughs> halo right, jumps right right that's it's <laughs> fucking crazy and, and the thing is you could have easily just cgi'd that and nobody would have nobody would ever know now like, the motorcycle thing it's like you can tell like yeah that's real but the halo jump is just showing off yeah it's just because he wants to halo jump and and he's getting the movie studio to pay for it and that's just like the most brilliant thing and it looks amazing yeah, now. i mean absolutely. the thing that it's it's like it's true because the, the, the way i thought this the only other movie i can think where people are really skydiving and acting at the same time is point break and that came out like over 30 years ago right and this is like the same thing where it's like and they had to basically shoot it the same way over and over and over to get all the footage and that whole sequence is amazing and just i I like the way it goes into so with the imax uh, format yeah how it's like the plane uh, the cargo doors open in the back and it just widens out to the imax format is so cool yeah, and then what I really love, at least this is what Christopher McQuarrie's brought to the franchise, at least to me, starting with Rogue Nation, is he's made like Ethan Hunt, this guy who is the world's best spy but hates his life. Right. And just everyone believes he's like Superman, and he's like, uh, sure. You know, you saw that in the last movie where like 
you know, where, uh, you know, um, what's Simon Pegg is basically saying, oh, he can go underwater and hold his breath for five minutes and get this. Right. And he's like, what? he's got this look <laughs> yeah. of terror on his right. face. Right. Like, and you get that all throughout this movie, especially towards the end where they do this elaborate setup where like, Alec Baldwin is telling you, like, you have to turn yourself in. This guy's an assassin. He's going to kill mm-hmm. you. And, you know, and then like Henry Cavill, who's fucking awesome in this movie, yeah. he's like, sorry nothing personal just the job right it's just like in the movies just Just reload our arms oh and that it gave us the best (laughs) meme of all time you can use that arm thing for fucking everything (laughs) yeah and and henry cavill is awesome in this movie i love rebecca ferguson her character who's has the most james bond meme of any fucking character ever faust Right. Oh my God, she Ilsa off. Faust. Ilsa Faust. <laughs> yeah. I love that name. If that's not a James Bond character in disguise, yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah, and Sean. Well, this is. I mean, this is like our James Bond. Oh yeah, I and mean, it's really that. That's and it's like in a way that Mission Impossible kind of had to grow into yeah. as a series. Um, and this movie is. like pays pays homage to everything. I mean, you have the White Widow who turns out is Max's daughter sure. from the first movie. You realize. This movie's been around long enough well, that an entire that. generation right. has grown up with it. I mean, like what I love about Max is uh, the Max reference is yeah. that it's just kind of in there. It doesn't like parade it out and put lights on it. Yeah, it's something that's like if you're a fan of the series and you know who Max is, which Max is only mentioned in the first movie, which frankly a lot of people haven't even seen right. the first movie. Um, I, it's just like a cool little reference for the fans. Yeah, but Vanessa Kirby does an awesome job basically doing a Vanessa Red, yeah. Red, Redgrave impression through the rest of the movie. It's like, yeah. She's got this character down. but yeah, like, She has her mannerisms. And I love the end of the, the when they're like diffusing the bomb and it's like, you know, that's... All right, we're going to cut on two. Why two, one? That's one right. second we'll never get back. How do we know he did it? He'll get it done. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like that whole, it's yeah. just such a good movie. I've seen it Agreed. at least four or five times theatrically. Yeah, this I saw year. it. I saw it three times in the theaters because it was one of those ones where, especially, you wanted to see that on the big screen. Yeah. You know, like if you could see that movie in IMAX or Sun Seneca Pre for the first time. Um, and then saw it in IMAX. It was way better in IMAX. But it's just like, yeah, it's it's a movie. It was like an event movie. Yeah. Right? And it, those kind of things don't happen all the time. No. And it's just has a good rewatchability towards us. Because, I mean, I, I was thinking about this. You know, a lot of people like, you know, Black Panther for Best Picture. And I thought about it. It's like, I really like Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. That being said, I can't. I've seen Black Panther more than once. I enjoy watching Mission Impossible Fallout more. Yeah, totally. I mean, nothing. I liked Black Panther. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't make my top ten. I, I really like the movie. Yeah. Though, you know, like, it's very good. But ultimately, when you get back far enough away from it, it's a Marvel movie. You yeah. Know? I mean, I like Marvel movies, but, like, it's a Marvel movie, you know? So, um, no, good, very good pick. Mm-hmm. Very good pick. So that's your number five, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yes. Kirby. Yeah, as we're going through, I'm going, okay, yeah, we're going to overlap, I'm sure, a little bit, just like we did last year. So I'll keep it short and sweet with my number four, because um, pretty much we already said, and it is Upgrade, nice. which is my um, biggest surprise of the year. I would say Ready Player One is one of them as well. Like, I definitely felt really um, just was surprised at how much I love that. Upgrade, I went to uh, the press or guest screen, press screen for it. And um, didn't know anything about the movie. Hadn't seen a trailer, as like Adam mentioned. Didn't know what to expect. Just knew that Lee Wanell was attached. And I was like, okay, I heard it's like some kind of sci-fi kind of movie. And it just hit 
Adam, I think, is sexually harassing me with a figure here. But I'm just I'm I'm seeking verbal confirmation. Okay. Much appreciate, big guy. Um the <laughs> uh upgrade though was just um I, I don't know how to say it, it was just it was funny. It was it, it almost it's funny you mentioning Robocop, but that's actually right. kinda yeah, what it reminded it me of. It's, it's like, just basically it's, like it's a, like yeah, Robocop. Yeah, I I really was hoping the company was gonna be like some some version of OCP, like yeah. the initials, but I just really um had fun. I love the gore, I love the um you know, I mean when people talk about ultra violence, like they yeah. use that phrase and it's like there are not a lot of films now that are made, especially in the mainstream, that can be considered ultra-violent. This is definitely one of them. And, uh, but I actually really thought there was some great humor in it. Um, I, I loved all, everyone in there. And I would say, not going to say it's the best, but probably, um, I think the ending alone, the balls it had, that is, um, you know, really puts it over the top. It had to make my top five for that reason alone. because. Yeah studios just don't take risks like that yeah well you know? and that's the nice thing about having a three million dollar movie i mean this wasn't even blumhouse it was blumhouse tilt you know it was yeah. like super yeah. super low budget and it's like and that's i love what blumhouse is doing and i mean I, I said this a lot with get out right is like you know when you have the ability to just do whatever you want to and not have any you know make a low budget movie mm-hmm. and have people stay out of your way and Jason Blum seems to do that um, fairly often. It's just like, make your movie, for better or worse. Sometimes you get the gallows, and sometimes you get upgrade. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's... But nothing's a risk, either. Like, that's <laughs> right, the thing. Sure. Nothing's a real risk. And it's that's like, great. That's a great... Uh, it's a model that... I mean, that is the way it was in the 70s and 80s. I mean, you just... You know, you had no other choice. And mm-hmm. now you have more choices, but it's like, oh, I can still do it for next to nothing. The word of... It's strange to see... Even though there's ads and there's like a promotion, it really is a word of mouth system oh, for yeah. most of the Blumhouse. Upgrade product. was a movie I have recommended to so many people, and they're like, "I've never even heard of this movie." Mm-hmm. It was in theaters for probably what like two weeks. Like, I mean, it, it, it's a movie that's going to survive on word of mouth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I must have made the money because I know it's on like the like the promo materials for like other stuff they put out. So, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I mean the people did. who brought you Get Out and Upgrade. I think it, that's yeah. the thing for Happy Death Day to you or something. Right. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, no, and they they've yeah. got a potential another franchise that they want it too. You know, and that's. I mean, another... I hope it doesn't in a way. You know, no, I, like, I hope um... neither. But I mean, it's just like, but yeah. Blumhouse's model is partially that. I mean, I, I you know, it's. I mean, there's really uh, that's. It's just one of those things. that's that's another thing insane. It's every film inherently has some flaws in it or some things I don't like or don't think were perfect. But Upgrade is one of those films I think just for how it worked, mm-hmm. um, its flow and all that. It just was perfect. I mean, the only other thing I can say about because we've I think talked enough on that one is the um because uh, the other film I want to say besides Ready Player One and besides Upgrade um that was in con- not really in consideration for the top five inclusion. But I feel I want to mention just because it falls in the same category of thinking I was completely going to hate it walking in was Unsane, um, which, like I said, I just I couldn't put it in a top five or even a top ten. But I, I do want to say like another risk taking kind of movie that I enjoyed. Um, and I also always have to say that Unsane has a 4K release and Upgrade doesn't, which is the most mind boggling uh, mystery of, of 2018 wow. cinema. Uh. So I'll leave it at that. Gross. And uh, turf it to Josh for number three. 
Rose. Which I know you did Ready Player One, so I don't know if there's anything else well, you want to uh, add. Well, actually, that's my number four right now. So it's oh, I'm my, sorry. Um, it is your number four. Yes, but, please, uh, sir. Go yeah, right ahead. Yeah, totally. So, um, uh, yeah. So my number four is um, Sorry to Bother You. Ah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that there's, like, there's a universe where Sorry to Bother You could have been my number one or two film of the year. Um, I do feel that it stumbles a bit in the final act. The, yeah, the ending, yeah. I think, killed it for me. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say it killed it. Like, I, I will say this. Like, I, it was a movie I watched and was wowed by when I first saw it. And was like, holy crap, this movie is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then, like, it kind of slipped from my memory. I didn't really see it that much again. I didn't think about it much. But then I picked it up and I, you know, and I just think it's a brilliant movie. And, and that's... That's the reason it's number four on my list, mm-hmm. um, because I, I just think that everything that film does in its first two thirds are so remarkable um, that that third act can't just, it, you know, can't just destroy it for me. But it's enough to knock it down to number yeah. four. But like in terms of the things I loved about the movie, I mean, this is also kind of a personal pick because I am a salesman yeah. and I'm specifically a telemarketer. Um, that is how I pay my bills. And the aspects of that that job that this movie gets right are remarkable and they're like the little things they're just like the time but the way that they like dangle the thing about the power callers and the way that they dangle the upstairs i mean it's not far from has something like glengarry glenn ross talked about the glengarry leads right yeah you know that kind of aspect is there and just the the um you know just the 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 culture of like you know fake building you up and you know you got this and you know this kind of like i don't know like this this fake like um i don't know gangsterism that almost happens amongst salespeople. but then how you can also have somebody who's like your supervisor that has a neck tattoo and and it's just like it, it gets those aspects right but then above and beyond that it, this is a movie that is just it's a it's a very intense satire um, that I think just nails a lot of things. I mean, just the, 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 the you've got the the worry free on television about you know it's basically indentured servitude. It's like yeah. realizing slavery. Um, you know, you've got uh, and I just love little things. Even like when you have Detroit and she does her art show and she does like performance art where she has people. You know, she's like you know speak uh, uh, talking uh, saying lines from the Last Dragon while people are throwing phones at her. And, um, you know, meanwhile, at the same time, like she's using a fake accent because she's trying yeah, to be genuine. Yeah, Lily Collins doing her voice. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And just like you have uh, uh, Pat Oswalt yeah. doing the voice. And yeah. And so you got the whole thing about the white voice, which is definitely a thing. But, um, you know, like, I think that this is a film that is and, and uh, you brought this up earlier, like idiocracy. You know, this is less of a comedy. You know, I would say it's still a comedy, but I think it's a little bit you know, kind of not as broad slapstick comedy as Idiocracy. Yeah, it kind of reminds like me of like a, of like the Doom Generation or Nowhere, like those Greg Araki movies sure. from the 90s, where it's like just this really uh, sarcastic, nihilistic right. undertone of the humor. Well, and then kind of the darkness of like a King of Comedy or something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, but playing it pretty straight, you know, but then... I, I was so, so on Sorry to Bother You, but the more that I just think about it, and I haven't watched it again, I only saw it once, but it's I, I appreciate it more when I think about it. Right. I'm very hesitant right. to see it again, mm-hmm. because it does take such a huge right turn, 
at yeah. some point where it kind of lost me. If you mm. buy into what happens, what's actually happening, right? Then you know, then it's yeah, it's elevated. But if you don't buy that moment, which it didn't for me, yeah. Yeah, like you said, yeah, it knocks it down a couple pegs. Well, to me, it seems I—I I, I mean, I think I compare. Sorry to bother you a lot to like Kurt Vonnegut, and oh, sure. there's yep. there's mm. things in Kurt Vonnegut that are better on the page than they would be on a film, right. right? And I think that that's kind of the whole thing with where that film goes is that it's like we get the point, but you but by visualizing it, it kind of drives it home in this way that is it's just not needed. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I absolutely get what you're saying on that. Um, and I would say of Sorry to Bother You, it's like, it's maybe one of those films I respect more than I enjoy watching, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it's, I res- the things I respect, I respect so much that it was like I had to give it a place in my top five. Like, I just absolutely had to. It's um, interesting for me. I, I still haven't seen it yet. There's a lot of films, obviously, in my backlog. And this is one that I really wanted to see, and it was based off your recommendation, Victor's. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me, actually. I was, you know, interested to see where it would place for both of you, or if it even did, because I remember when we did the episode on it, you both said it was your contender for number one. Yeah. So yeah. it was like that you were both, at the time, going, I don't think anything's going to beat this. So that's one of those ones. Well, like I, remember- I think it was like my number two. Because at the, at the time that that movie came out, I already had a solid number one. Um, oh no no no! But I meant right. when we talked, I can uh, we can go back and listen to the tapes. But I mean, your enthusiasm right. for it and sure. your oh, yeah. the impact of it was definitely like yeah. I remember both of you saying like I just don't know if anything's going to beat it this year, and it was um. So I mean that that puts a really I, high one. So I want to go see like yeah. a lot of these movies. That one just took a while. To, it does to be cool. able to see. I it. think what yeah. happened is that was that ending of that movie was one that i saw a trend in a lot of other movies i was really into this year right where like i'm totally on board and then the ending like yeah. killed the movie for me yeah. and it not so much with this like i really definitely cooled it for me mm-hmm. like right but not like 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 summer of 84 for example like i never need to see that movie again like that's the example of like the ending if that movie had ended 10 minutes sooner would be in my top three right, probably. Right. Just wish you could have been the focus group. Just just shave the last ten minutes. <laughs> uh, I I'm pretty sure I could definitely say that. And you would agree with me. There's I, I, I haven't seen I, it. I yet. personally love the ending. No, um, I know you it's, do. It's another it one makes I, it I something just, that you yeah. would watch yeah. all the time to something you'd watch every now and then. Yeah, no, I agree. But the things that make me not want to watch that movie a lot are be are not the ending. It's like everything up to the yeah. ending. Like I really like I love so much about the movie, but it's it's very and like like what you were talking about. I think the the reasons that. I have a little bit of different distance from Summer of '84. Is the same reason you do with Stranger Things. It's like a little cloying. Oh, no, I I know? like I I love Stranger Things. I know why I enjoyed it. What I the whole point of what I was trying to say earlier with Ray Player One was also that they integrated '90s, 2000s, and stuff. I mean, people like I said, which two, they don't in the book, and I think yeah. that's a smart part. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. it's also yeah, just yeah, yeah, I, totally. I, it's kind of like be explained to people now. It's like. Um, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and stuff is now classic rock. Mm-hmm. It's like people just do not, they get so rigid in their, like what they grew up with and what they identity. Not yeah. only are they missing out on a lot of good stuff that's coming out, but they also are, be, it's becoming this thing where people just don't have a very wide perspective of things. Yeah. That it's like, okay, it's going totally to be 20, it. it's going to be 2020 next year. So 2000 will be like, you know, an oldies kind of people, thing. People already. are still yeah. listening to this whatever band they liked in high school, yeah. and they've never moved on from that. 
But then I sit here and say, I don't know, Post Malone is absolute garbage. And yet, I now I feel like an old person. Well, like, no, maybe but I just don't get everybody it, you know? has it, well, it's a it's a Grandpa Simpson I, moment. I, like I it'll think, happen to you. It, yeah. it, it's weird because, like you know, a lot of the headliners this year, like at Coachella, like a year yeah. ago, I had no idea who they were. Like, but now I'm like YouTube. No, it's but at my work, it's all people who are younger. And, yeah, like, so we listen to like post malone and future but the thing about future is way better than post malone post malone is absolute garbage future is but the dude is it's not even something i'm hugely into but it's like it's not that the that dude is super talented like he can play multiple post malone if you never see him play Uh, like instrument no i'm just saying no it's not it's not about no 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 my whole point is it's not about what you personally enjoy or not what I was trying to say with it is that the dude has serious musical talent. His thing is, though, is it's the way a lot of people are that they just play into whatever is right. popular yeah. right. or become a trendsetter. Right now, it's face tattoos. Yeah, well, it's yeah. it's the mumble rap, trap yeah, music, and all those types of things. So I mean, it's just as popular. It's just like how hip hop went from being but, very intelligent, thoughtful. You know, a lot of it was very good. Now all it's of like, this is said yeah. with the understanding that yeah. I'm probably just I'm, I'm well, that old, too. and I'm and but, it's well, like. I'll and also I hate say this that way because it's like I don't year, get it anymore. This year they they did the Superfly remake, right? And it's set in Atlanta in the world of trap music, and that movie bombed. True. So it doesn't, yeah, yeah translate one on one. Well, and the other thing too is is that I'm if saying it was free on YouTube, it was done. Yeah, free. well, that too. <laughs> totally. But the um, but the whole thing too is just that also um, like there's still good rap, intelligent hip hop, and stuff being sure. made today in other forms of music. It's just that, like, with a lot of people, you know, they'll be like, well, my music's next generation, or this is, like, the voice of a generation or something. I'm like, this is Starbucks music. Right. Like, when I look at Coachella, I'm like, this is a Starbucks CD you're listening to. <laughs> I'm just letting Ex- you know. You like, know, except it's, it's all, like, you know, basically underground hip-hop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, but right, a lot so, of... Anyway. But, but, no, sorry no, but, to bother oh, you. Yeah, that sorry, was, that was sorry to bother but, um, you with our... Uh, <laughs> sorry to bother our, you with all that. But uh, now I'm super interested... And what Adam Rutkowski's number four, four, four film, film, film is, is, is. Oh, uh, and I have, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, back to the paper. The house with a clock in its walls. <laughs> Superfly. Now, this one took me by surprise. I really didn't want to necessarily see it because I was, I had certain expectations on uh, how it would affect me emotionally. And I ended up loving it a lot. I've seen it like three three times in the theater, which is kind of rare for wow, me. Wow, three times. Wow. Well, the first time it was for a sneak preview, and I got sucked in, and I started watching it uh, up in the in the in the booth, um, which generally I really don't like doing because it's not a it's not the best way to experience a movie up in the projection booth. Right. It's just it's very loud. Your your vision is is obscured. Um, the sound is just not that good because it's just coming through tiny little monitor speakers. Right. Um, then uh, my wife was interested, so then we went to see it then, and then I just went and 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 watched it again just on my own, uh, in between doing other projection duties. Uh, eighth grade. Ooh, um, all right. It was so good. Yeah, wasn't it? Now the what I was expecting was something that was just gonna like destroy my heart and right. like make me like cry endlessly throughout the whole thing. It didn't do that. 
But what it did successfully, and I'm glad because I don't necessarily want to see a movie that's going to make me ball the entire time that I'm watching it. Yeah. Um, or cringe or something. There were some cringy parts, but they nailed that eighth grade experience. Like, I can't think of, I mean, maybe Welcome to the Dollhouse was pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. Happiness. Um, I was going to say well, most Todd Solid. I don't know. This is, I mean, but that's the thing is that I think what Bo Burnham does with eighth grade is he takes those cringy moments and he doesn't go Todd Solins with it, right? Like right. he makes it. I didn't want it to be creepy. Right. I didn't want it to like go over the top. Right. He softens those edges. Right. Even in the scene, um, you know, which I would say would be the, you know, the certainly the one that I think got it. It's what it was R rated, I believe, right? I think yeah. this movie got an R rating. Yes. And and it's which is absolutely ridiculous for the things that actually happen in this movie, but it was because of that one scene. And that scene is so mild, you know, compared to when you think about something like you would see in a Todd Solins. Um, you know, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's it's a really beautiful movie. Um, let me ask you this, Adam. Are, are, are you familiar with any of Bo Burnham's other work at all? I looked into him after uh-huh. I saw the movie, and I'm not a fan of him. Okay. Yeah, because I, I would say that, that his one stand-up called um, What, this is Bo Burnham What, um, is, I think, tremendous. And I was a fan of his from that already, and that's why I was like kind of really interested in, in it in eighth grade. But I think the dude's just super talented. I mean, he's a songwriter. Um, you know, sure, a but singer. he... It kind of comes off as a bit of a douche. Yeah, I kind of think that's his thing, you know. But but I don't think I don't think he's a douche. I think that that's like a character. I think that's just the way he looks. Well, like, he also I, no, does. I, yeah. No, but I'm yeah. dead serious. Like he literally just looks like your typical like Abercrombie. I carry an acoustic guitar everywhere, bro. Like, right. I mean, like that's just literally how he how he looks. But, like, I mean, that's like literally a part of his his thing. I mean, he has this song on his stand up called Hashtag Deep. You know, and he's talking about all these things about, you know, all these serious things in life. And he goes hashtag deep, you know, he's talking about all this stuff. And then it's like and he goes uh, and, you know, and he talks about how um, he's sad and he's not going to be sad anymore because uh, because sadness is bumming him out. And so he's just going to laugh at everything. And he's like, you know, he's like, there's a homeless man in the street. Ha ha ha. And he's just and it's like there's a substance to what he's saying within this character. Sure. that is this douchey character. And I just I I think that I, I totally get what you're saying. I just think there's a little bit more kind of below the surface of what he's doing there. But it, one of the things I thought was really interesting is as a filmmaker, he didn't do the music for eighth grade. The music is so good, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's just like this heavy kind of synth, emotional kind of technical uh, techno music almost. Um, and like, I think specifically about the scene where she's walking down to the pool and yeah. it's just hitting you in the face with this music. Um, and then also, I think the way that he realizes um, social media and how it's like you've got her and she's at the dinner table and you have all the overlays of the screen that she's looking at and like Instagram posts and all that stuff. And it's basically drowning out her father. Um, I think that he does some things to kind of um, give voice to this generation in a way that I haven't really seen before. No. Um, yeah. So that's a very, very good pick. Yeah. I mean, cause you could say something like, uh, you know, Ingrid goes West, which was on, I, you know, that mm-hmm. I think is like my number two or number three from last year. Um, you know, where that spoke with all the social media stuff in a in a different type of way sure. for like, you know, the twenty somethings. But 
to to really go with like this uh kind of like proto John Hughes-ish kind of approach yeah. where it didn't but it didn't paint like a cartoon like most of them do now. It's either like a like a house party type thing mm-hmm. where all the you know all these you know different types of teams are getting together and drinking beers and doing like naughty things. No, this is like truly a coming of age yeah story that's done in a way that's honest and genuine. Absolutely. And hey. Elise Fisher is so I mean I mean she transcends the part. Yeah, she's And to take the incredible. chances that is I mean obviously you know that it's written for the story. Mm-hmm. I don't see Bo Burnham making a movie. I feel as if they had a camera even if it's not necessarily mm-hmm. shot in that style right. and just documented these occurrences. Yeah, totally. Because everything is so natural the well, way that it, has it all that plays verite out. Feel. But, I mean, what's interesting is that the film is highly scripted and that basically Bo Burnham took his own experiences and just said, well, why don't I just make this a girl? And because those experiences are so universal. um, And, you know, I think that's a really interesting choice to have made. And again, like after seeing Bo Burnham's work, I was expecting, you know, if he was going to make I expect him to make a movie like a musical or something like that. Right. You wouldn't expect him to make this really kind of small and intimate film about mm-hmm. a middle school girl um but yeah i said yeah a very very good pick awesome. cool i don't need your approval Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you uh, have it yeah. anyway. mm-hmm. all right uh my what it what number we have four. Oh wow four uh my number four pick i think i am going to go with this is so weird. <laughs> well, I don't want to repeat ones that you guys are talking totally. about. Totally. Yeah, so, all right. I'll, yeah, so, you know, Netflix has been doing a lot of interesting movies this year. And, uh-huh. like, they basically own, like, most of the movies that came out this year, which is crazy. And, a lot of them, for sure. And one of the ones that came out this year that I, I, I still can't believe, one, that Netflix got it, and two, that Bloomhouse didn't release it theatrically and that movie is cam mm, i and still haven't gotten to this yeah i, I, have, I have seen this movie like at least four times it is literally it's one of the most like weird movies i've seen it's like basically this could, could very easily be set in the same universe as it follows mm-hmm. um and basically go on basically the gist of the movie is it has madeline brewer who uh who She's in The Handmaid's Tale. She's the yeah. one with one eye. And um also Orange is the New Black, right? Oh yeah, she is yeah. in that. Oh god, I've totally like spaced on that yeah. show now. Um, but she plays like a cam girl and she's like a sex work she's not trying to get out of sex work. Right. And it's very a very sex positive like movie. Mm-hmm. And um Melora Walters, she's in Magnolia and all these other movies, Cabin Boy, she's her mom. And she, she's kind of keeping this a secret from her mom. But her whole goal is to, like, be on the top 50 girls of this cam girl site she's on. So she can kind of make this, like, her, like, primary source of income. And right. She has, like, basically regular customers that she plays to. There's, like, nerds who are kind of, like, obsessed with her. But basically it's all, like, she's trying to empower herself by being, like, a cam girl. So as time goes on, like, she, like, starts doing, like shows with other girls she gets into the top 50 Mm -hmm. and what ends up happening is she wakes up after doing a show with some other girls 
and she's logged out of her account. And there's a girl who looks exactly like her who is running her cam channel. She calls like the, Hey, you guys must be showing like some old video. I'm locked out. It's like, we don't do that. So she makes an account and like says, you know, Hey, stop us. It's basically us. Well, no, No, I know. I don't want spoilers. No. Yeah. Basically. So she starts trying to interact and then like, she sends a message and the other her responds to her yeah and then she basically that would creep me out yeah and this this is the whole thing like as she's like trying to prove who she is basically like she's in her house at one point and then like the fake her is like let's do a tour of the house oh look it's my bedroom and she's behind the bedroom door Mm -hmm. she's like come come in and she opens and she just so it's like She's walking through the room right. she's in at the same time. Right. It's just a lot of weird terror going on. And it's just like a very weird, like, like deeply upsetting psychological film. But awesome. it has like a cool ending. Um, It's one of those movies that like it doesn't it's like it follows like you don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't really find out in this yeah. either. But it's all about just like human relationships and how this weird thing kind of affects them. Right. Awesome. Definitely. Uh, well, like I said, I feel bad. I'm like, I really haven't seen a bunch of these. That I really had made an effort to go and watch, but I just just wasn't enough time. Like, it's not a lack of interest. It's just funny how many films there are now, and it's just so mm. difficult to keep up with. Yeah. But like, I mean, that's why I see it keep coming back to some of these recommendations you guys have made, either through reviews or whatever, or, or here on an episode. So I'm like, Man, I really wish I had checked those out because now, I mean, I wonder if my list would be different, of course. Yeah, I mean, but, it's just inevitable. Yeah, it's the in- inevitable nature. But I'll I'll keep going here. So number three for me, it's interesting. I had, I feel, a similar pick on my list last year. And um, last year was It, and this year it's Halloween. Nice. And uh, for me, it was, I. it's very funny to me, uh, continuing with kind of the theme I've said with a lot of these, ep- or a lot of these picks is, I actually did not have high expectations going in. I I just really thought this was going to be another generic. Yeah, <laughs> well, that yeah, there was a little bit of a fear. I I will say this: it's probably the funniest Halloween in year without being a comedy. Like it has so many great. Um, humorous bits i like the whole bit where like he's trying to explain to him what a bond me sandwich is oh yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. just a piece of bread so i had to make you a peanut butter sandwich that sounds disgusting <laughs> <laughs> exactly like there's a just bit. there's so many i mean you can tell yeah that uh that um danny uh danny mcbride Bride, you know his sense of humor um it, you know definitely wormed its way in and stuff which you know really i really thought was gonna be a detriment and actually, it's probably one of the two things that elevated. The other was the absolute brutality of this movie. Yeah, I um, which is what Michael Myers should be. I still Myers think he should have killed the baby. Me too. Or um, or, oh, or such... at the very least, here's I, they should have left it ambiguous. Like they should yeah. have like take because it's all, all long tracking shot. They could have had the him stand there by the crib and then have the track go outside. And then it's like they're off the hook. They didn't kill the baby, but maybe he killed the baby. I, I guess it didn't bother me because he kills that little kid at the beginning, and that's more like a fucked up innocent death than killing a baby, which is almost like a well, it's uh, it's to him. I mean the baby is going to be a major taboo, so you'd lose a lot of the audience at that point. But I just think that if you're supposed to, if Michael Myers is supposed to be evil incarnate, mm-hmm. he would have killed the baby. Well, yeah, that's so, yeah. so 
Dead, well, I didn't, I didn't watch Halloween, but I have to say, the Deadpool 2 alternative ending, have you seen that? With killing the baby? Um, oh, I have. That's in the super duper cut. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I've seen it, but it's not coming back. Well, he, he, because he, he keeps back going in back time in time, oh, and, he, right. and he goes yes, to baby Hitler, yes, yes. and he's like going to yeah, kill yeah. baby Hitler, yeah, 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 and then that. he just can't do it because he's just too adorable. Yeah, which is yeah. also taking a real risk. So again. maybe that's it. Maybe but, it's just the baby was too adorable. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like I, everybody knows, I love killing kids. Um, so it's just one of those things. That soundbite's going to be yeah. used in my <laughs> future presidential run. But um, it's uh, I, uh, I still honestly, I still think it, him killing the 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 hunter's son was much more fucked up. Than oh yeah, no, I agree. Well, and, yeah, I, yeah. I, and that's yeah, how. Yeah, totally. I was worried until that scene happened. I was like, this is exactly going to go the way I want it to, pretty much. Yeah. It still has its flaws. Sure. Um, the doctor. But the doctor being the biggest one. You know, I, I'll say this. I watched this the other night, finally. Yeah, and I'm too. like, um. Oh, oh, you, you hadn't seen it before. I hadn't seen oh, it before. And, you know, like, I get what they were going for. Like, you know, like, if Donald Pleasance was alive, I'm sure that would have been, like, the Dr. Loomis heel turn. You know, but like at the same time, I get how somebody who's as obsessed with Michael, at you know, would would flip like that. Right. Uh, it was just I, I the not the problem was the doctor flipping. Uh, they really did integrate it well. It was just the problem was it was not executed properly. The way I, I, I feel wanted like it to maybe be. they should have gotten like more of a known actor to play him. I think that's the problem I had with it in a sense. You yeah. know, but like. I love the way he died, like a fucking pumpkin being smashed. Good yeah. God! Like, is the head just a giant blood balloon at that point? Or I just think that it's it's they're just saying that's how strong Michael Myers. Yeah, is. Well, yeah. Well, and the whole point there's, I'm mean, like I said, there's just so many iconic deaths in this movie, yeah. which is the heart of a slasher film. You go for it. And here's the thing: I don't want to cut you off because I see that too. But like to me, this is like a weird siege movie. Like in a lot of ways, this is like the Terminator oh, the end, Two of the, Halloween. Movies. Yeah, the end is completely especially. I mean, yeah. it goes. She is full. Uh, Sarah Connor. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But I meant that. I'm talking more of the middle of this movie yeah. is a completely genuine slasher Agreed. film. Which That's is my favorite part too. So, that long tracking shot is just great. I mean, the, the idea then, of doing that as a tracking yeah. shot is so cool. And then the backyard scene, just with the uh, floodlights, just oh, yeah. it's so just good. So I, good. I, I was like, just talking about that, and and and, and, and um, I'm gonna try and keep it spoiler light since this movie just came out on you know like uh, which by the way I really I really have um, been trying to yeah keep yeah. the first death a secret um, kind of blew that one but it was because uh, I really think that's probably the most shocking moment in this movie yeah because you just aren't expecting but that. ultimately like I was just watching and thinking about that because that's like I mean, if anybody's had uh, those proximity lights like, yeah it's like that's the most horrifying moment when they just shut off yeah and then it's all dark and the way that they utilize that in the film is awesome yeah. i i uh, honestly to me the, the the coolest thing they do in this movie is never showing his face when he's not wearing the mask yeah and you get enough glimpses that you can you but get, i like that but he's like but without that head. mask but it just tells you without that mask and without that drive to kill Lord, he's nothing right and that's what i think drives like dr sartain and the podcasters crazy it's like he's 
he's just an old man. Yeah. Well, and I like how they reference like the whole thing, like in the movie, like they say, you know, because they're like because they're talking about that they've heard. Oh, you know, isn't it? Isn't that she was supposed to be his sister? Like, oh no, that's just what people say to make themselves feel better. Yeah. You know, and I like that because that's like people do want to rationalize in a yeah. way. And say, well, and the other, is their reason. The other part too, I really enjoyed was is that it's one of those few ones where it's contemporary but classic. That, you know, now you have all these true crime podcasts and things like yeah. that. Like, that's the spawn point. Now yeah. everyone's trying to look for these things. They're looking for rationale. They're looking for, you know, an M.O. and well, stuff. And they're also looking to, like, and like I think make that's... themselves famous yeah. over well, exactly. And I think too. that's why, like, the thing with the doctor didn't bother me as much. Because it's like, you can see how people's obsession drives them to, like, that. I feel like that was the whole point of this movie. That yeah. obsession kind of like drives it just didn't you mad. Feel earned to me as all. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's just a thing with me. I mean, like my main reason for picking this film is it's very interesting. Most of the time, when people ask about horror, I mean, I have some pretty divergent interests in it, mm. and I tend to prefer more like yeah. psychological horror. I like a lot of I like a lot of horror comedies and stuff. I, I do love gore, but I have a, a real soft spot for slashers because yeah. it's more than like like um, Adam was saying. You know, the phrase of like, oh, you just turn your brain off, you know, or whatever. And it's like, it's not the way I think of it. I still think you can have uh, in a lot of slasher films an active thought process and an identification. But you have to truly the one thing I felt that this film accomplished was that. But more importantly, this is another thing like kind of going on like the nostalgia trip is I don't know where this absolute, like, empire obsession with Michael Myers and Halloween became, where, I mean, it is so rabid, like, the fan base, and it's like, look, I love Halloween, but Halloween is not a particularly, like, great franchise, and it's one of those ones where... I think it's just a first film is great. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, Well, dude, and that's, that's... If this if this was the last time we saw Michael Myers, I this is a great ending for it. Like, it's not it, gonna be, but yeah, it, it it won't be. But like, goddamn, like, dude, this is a perfect ending to this franchise. Like, and just that shot, like when like it's not a it's not a cage, it's a trap, and he's just there's a fire, and he's just like looking up like a dog that's about to be put down, and you hmm. actually see the eyes, and they're just dead. I'm like, dude, that shot is fucking awesome. It is. It's the truly the blackest eyes, the yeah. the devil's eyes, and it's it's the idea of my Michael truly being, you know, just you know, an unstoppable force, and I I just love that. But I really mean that. I think that I I actually enjoy Halloween too. I enjoy Halloween four. I think five, six, seven, eight. You know, obviously the wheels went completely off overall. Like I have little bits I like. And then I think they should have kept doing, like, the Season of the Witch. Like, an anthology series yeah, would have been I a lot of, better. I think it'd but, be cool if the next one was something like that. But I, I'm just so happy to finally feel like this franchise not only got the ending it deserved, even if it isn't the ending, it felt like 40 years and you finally got it completely right. And that's really why I had to put it on my list in my top five, because it's like, I just feel like these, um, you know, these genre icons... You know, people are like, well, what should we do? Should we do a remake? Should we do uh, a reimagining? Should we do this and that? And this is like, well, you know, completely different kind of beast that ended up working, proving that can be done. So I'm just, you know, very thankful um, for not being my top slasher, like in terms of my favorite, like uh, icons or whatever franchises. This one, and I really do love Michael Myers and Halloween, but this like I felt like it had been tarnished, and now it's it's regained its luster with this one. So, yeah. all right, 
Go ahead, Josh. Oh. Uh, my number three is Ready Player One, which we've already said. So. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, but it's uh, yeah. I think we said our piece about it. Um, I uh, love Ready Player One. It's awesome. Adam. Adam. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. See, I knew nice. someone would say this, which is why I didn't. I didn't put it on mine. So weird. <laughs> um, I ter- love this movie. Pick, it's a terrible pick. It's so good. That's okay. It, I actually think this is the I, last movie I saw this year. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was. So it was something where we started getting the trailers for it, and I'm like, why are they doing an animated Spider-Man? Kind of felt and like I, one of those straight-to-video things, right? Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I thought maybe it was. I don't. I don't follow uh, the you know Cartoon Network anymore. I didn't know if it was like something that Teen was like Titans, an extension right? of like yeah, yeah, like a Teen Titans type thing. Sure. Uh, so I, I dismissed it. I mean, I thought that the trailer looked kind of cool, but I'm like, uh, to me, it's just like too much. Just it's for kids or something. Um, but I had, you know, I, I didn't have low expectations. I just didn't really have a desire to see it. But then uh, my uh, operations manager was getting really excited because he has kids and they love Spider-Man. You know, I love Spider-Man too. But once I saw that uh, uh, Spider-Ham, Peter Porker was in it, <laughs> on the second trailer, I was I was floored that they were going to actually put Peter... Porker Spider. Are you like a like an old school fan of Peter Porker well, Spider Ham? Yes, you would you would read uh, uh, Spider Ham at the same time that you would read Gru. Right. That's like those are the two things that ultimately when I was kind of getting out of comic books and not and just getting sick of all the crossovers and everything. Those were the two things that really stuck through because they were mostly just one off. You know, you get the comic book, you didn't have to like go. Oh, there's somebody from another universe coming into this one and who's all yeah it's just too much especially in comic book form because they're only may maybe like 20 pages of actual content yeah um but spider-verse did everything correctly and it and, and it's so it's, it's so it's so strange to have how many marvel movies up to this point and they keep surprising me and it's very hard to keep like that level of excitement up i think when uh i think especially like when uh age of ultron came out or was about to come out i'm like you know what i'm just kind of sick of all these superhero movies that was about the time for sure yeah and then after you saw it you're kind of like ah oh, damn or even like uh iron man 2 which i right. which i still like but it was kind of like that, you know, that was really a little the, bit the dark period yeah. yeah you know pre-guardians of the galaxy what i think that's like was a, a big kind of like a second yeah and then it was then it was guardians of the galaxy that just you know it it, it made it so much better in the the dark world you know it was like Um, not like yeah it's like it was it was was a rough time well i think i think yeah like winter soldier kind of hit the apex of the perfect um that's still like my favorite oh yeah it's it's so incredible but i think that and uh guardians was the flip side and i think that they kind of hit those high points and we were already so many years in that was seven years in since iron man the MCU, it was like, okay, this is getting bloated. And that's why I could tell people all the time. And I will say that about Spider-Verse. I had a lot of fun. And I just don't have fun in, in most of these films. Yeah. And to see something done so different. And that's because that's the other part. It's like, 
Victor always, you know, um, keeps us up to date on the best new DC Universe animated movies. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a plethora and you don't yeah. really know which DC ones yeah, are and good. Most of the, and most of the Marvel ones are, are straight up garbage. And yeah. this one is like, even the animation style is amazing. Well, that's well the animation, I, yeah, animation yeah. is just unbelievable. And I thought that, that's why I thought, that, I thought this was like Batman Ninja. You know, like yeah. I, that's what I thought this movie was. But, um, you know, one, one thing I did not know about this film going into it and didn't realize it until the credits um was that this is produced by and co-written by lord and miller yeah like and that is giant and i think in terms of the narrative of 2018 it's an important part of it because um you know when i talked about this i did a write-up on my um you know top 10 films of the year this is my number nine film um and uh you know frankly it might have been higher um, if I watched it more times and I was just like afraid of recency bias, so I put it lower than it probably should have gone. Um, I think, you know, like it's a great movie, but look at Solo. You know, Lord and Miller were doing Solo. They were told this movie is too comedic. You guys are making fun of Star Wars. Yeah. They fired them. Solo comes out. It's middle of the road. It's not bad. It's fine it's a fine movie i probably won't but, watch it again but fine is not enough for star wars and it it failed like in the box office in terms of expectations of budget it's a freaking bomb yeah and if lord and miller would have been allowed to do their thing the way that they did with the lego movie the way that they did with 21 jump street the way that they did with with Cloud this with the chance of meatballs and the way that they did with this yeah it's like they have this way of doing something that is like it makes fun of it, but it also refreshes it. Yes. It's like a way of giving something a wake-up call and saying, like, yo, we can poke fun it, at this. It reminds you of why you liked it. Yes. Because, you know, every every sacred cow, you can poke some holes in Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing. Or outright make, slaughter. Yeah. They, and I'm giving the vegan endorsement <laughs> on that. Like, you can you can slaughter sacred cows because yeah. I go, but, it's, but the better ones are, like you said, it's like poking holes. It's it's the fallacy of deity, like, and that's a big and issue. That, now. that was my thing with Solo. It's like it does the thing that prequels do that I hate, where it over explains things that don't need explaining. And I still believe, and I brought this up when we talked about Solo on the show, that in the hands of Lord and Miller, yeah, that shit would have been hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Because like, it, that's what they were doing. They were they were they would have come up with a fact. funny way right. of of like explaining Han Solo's name, right. or you know, not like you're one man. Yeah, Han Solo. exactly. It's what Spider Verse did is they they uh, they really hit the nail on the head of kind of satiring the whole origin story thing. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to yeah. say. That was just, it just got funnier and funnier and funnier. Absolutely. Like, even if you, because you, the way that they set it up, it's, you know, it's the, 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 the uh, comedy of threes do things that, I mean, this was more like yeah. seven. Yeah. But the first couple times they do the origin thing, you're not even thinking of it as a joke. You're just like, okay, here's the origin story. Yeah. And they say that, you know, here's the origin story. But then once they do it again and again and again and again, you, you start laughing at it, and then once they finally get to Spider Ham's one, you're like, okay, here's the origin story. It's going to be pretty much the same thing. It's right. like, well, no, I was a pig. <laughs> yeah. That got, <laughs> so yeah. Good. Uh, yes, exactly. And, yeah. And I think that probably would have made Solo like a movie I would have been really into. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and when, also when you have the funniest character in the entire, I mean, that's what he's known for. His charisma, his charm, his, uh, his right. you know, his absolutely like hilarious nature. Both from his own foible kind of things sure. and just who he is. 
And yeah, that, that's true. Missed yeah. opportunity. And I just really, I hope that, um, and, and frankly, Disney, this isn't the first time they've done this. Like, uh, you know, Edgar Wright was fired from Ant-Man for similar issues. It's because of this, you know, mm-hmm. creative differences thing. Disney, it's like they want to play it safe too much. And frankly, I'm just amazed. I feel like at, they might have rebounded from that because, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Taika well, Waititi and all well, that Well, yeah, but, but again, that but, but that was before Solo. So, yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately they didn't learn enough to not fire Lord and But Miller that's the Solo. problem, too, is, is that, you know, they're temp pulling this out so yeah. far. Yeah. And they're not taking the time to learn. Well, and of course, Star Wars, too, they were just like, we're just going to do one every year. It's going to work out perfect. Everything's going to be great. And they you did know? that with Gareth Evans as well. Um, you know, or was it Edwards? I always get those two mixed up. But, you know, the, the person did Rogue One. Yeah. They cut up the movie and basically took it away from him at the yeah. very end. And this is and kind of a, a habit of the Yeah, I mean, and like, I still like Rogue One, but you can totally tell where it just turns yeah. into well, Chop Chop City. How about the, uh, let's take it from the other point of view, when you give somebody just carblanche to do whatever, you get Ghostbusters. Yeah, I Oh, mean, I kind of feel like that's going to happen with the next Ghostbusters, too. Like, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm, that's going to be an interesting conversation. I look, because basically, <laughs> I don't know if you guys read Hollywood Reporter, basically it's like, it's gonna have all the old old Ghostbusters, but it's gonna be them handing it down to teenagers. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, my viewpoint on that kind of thing is, it's like I'll I'll take ten Ghostbusters if I can get one into the Spider Verse. You yeah. know, like because to me, watching that answer the call doesn't affect my enjoyment of the original. Yeah, well, that, but, but apparently it did for a lot of people. Well, but the other part, and that's the but the other part too, and there. stuff. And yeah. actually, it's funny. I'm gonna segue into that because I do think this is important. I want to say this about into the Spider Verse. I think if you ever wanted to see a movie where the quote unquote Hollywood like eight, uh, like desire to have diversity and do it perfectly, this yeah, is the movie yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's, well, it's just where, natural. No, it's just it's yeah. it's hundred percent natural. It's no virtue signaling, Mary Sue, typical bullshit. It is just real people who have real lives, and they just happen to come from all these different backgrounds. Where it isn't, th- it's like you talk about the over-explaining of things, which is the bane of so many movies now. I mean, it is the ultimate worst um, thing. I, I'm so tired of movies where they have to explain every last little detail. Like, oh god, I didn't get that, or something, or I didn't notice that. Yeah. This film just made great human, well, I guess pure pork or non-human, <laughs> but it made it, like, it's just such a perfect example of how you can do it. And there's plenty of films long before this that did it well as, or, or even better. But it's like where the purpose of the film is how good the story is and how human the characters are. And if you can do that, you don't ever have to worry about making some grandiose, I'm going to pat myself on the mm-hmm. back. I, it's like you should pat yourself on the back for how good of a film you made and made such excellent story and characters. And if people focused on that overall, in general, and everything, like I would probably have, I would probably have to make this a top ten. But filmmakers now, it's either the studio interference in any and every way, or it's people going, ah, I don't know how I'm going to make this more to whatever um, thing, or I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody, I don't want to touch, you know, on anything and stuff. And it's like, man, if people just could go back to the way of making films, it goes to the thing you said about Blumhouse making cheap films and being able to do it their own way is is that I would much rather everybody take their own risks now and just make what they want to make instead of worrying about it. And I feel like we would just, we would have, uh, you know, such a bevy of excellent well, films. Isn't that like, I mean, that's what A24 did. 
people. Yeah, yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. And they continually knock that out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they have a forest, they're going to film in it. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that, I, yeah, that's uh, a great pick, though. I really want to say it was really yeah. hard Loved to it. pick a film that I, I think, like J- Josh said too, it's really important that um, the recent um, you don't want to get too bogged down in that and going. Did I really enjoy it because I just saw it? Right. Or recency bias is a yeah, bitch. It really bias, is. Yeah. And then like being yeah. afraid of recency bias. So you like, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Put it lower than it maybe should. Um, but, you know, I just, yeah, it, it's a great, 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 great movie. Can I, and like you said earlier, can't wait, cannot wait to watch that thing on 4K. When it had a, it had a really good uh, way of presenting the message of the movie, too. Totally. Yeah. 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 And so. it sets up this new, basically, like, spider multiverse because the next movie they're doing is a Spider-Gwen movie. Sure. And I want to see that. Totally. Yeah. I well, mean, I, the... I, I, in a way, I'm like, I don't really need to see that, but then I, I didn't think I needed to see Lego Batman right? either. And Lego <laughs> Batman killed it, right? So it's like, you know, hey, anything, if, if at this point, if Lord and Miller are even remotely attached, I'm interested. And I, and I do want to give Even the credit. Unikitty cartoon is not terrible. Right. Um, and in fact, I do want to, just while we're on into the Spider-Verse, um, give some credit um because this this film was actually directed by uh bob Perschietti, peter ramsey and rodney rothman um and they just uh you know absolutely knocked that part this is a great movie mm-hmm. um so on to your uh what random is that number chosen. uh yeah randomly yeah. chosen <laughs> there number. is no number number three yeah there are no numbers uh i think number three time is a flat circle number three is going to be <laughs> annihilation <laughs> oh good one yes um you know this is a movie that again like last year like get out came out right at the beginning of the year and it was kind of like oh man this is going to be like the one, one of the ones to beat for the best movie of the year and I think this was a movie that, like, a lot of people slept on. And then, like, as the year ended, like, you know, this was actually, like, a really good movie. And, you know, I love Ex Machina, and I really love this movie. It's, like, it's based on a series of books, which I haven't read. Apparently, this the movie's kind of, like, a, a, a compilation or just, like, encapsulates, like, ideas from them. But just, like, this shimmer that's like taking over the united states and it's just like its own ecosystem and just it's a pretty movie to look at and it just says a lot about like people in general and our fear of the unknown i don't know i really liked it on on a lot of levels it's in my top 10 yeah it's one of those that i was considering for number five Mm -hmm. it was kind of yeah i was dancing around that um I appreciate it more than I did at the time. It's one that does get kind of under your skin. Again, like, you know, sorry to bother you. Where it, uh, the more you think about it in your brain, the more that you can appreciate everything that they did and the chances that they took with it. Um, I didn't know if I liked the, the kind of the, the, the ending part, um, where there's the, the reveal of this, this entity, mm-hmm. but, I really love it now where it's more of kind of that uh, kind of like a Kubrick weird something or other. It is weird. When he goes into his weird place and you can't, you can't get it out of your head. 
Yeah. You know, where it's just, you know, that is like, you know, Annihilation is, is that, that specific part. Well, like I said then, at least it wasn't Jodie Foster's dad. So you can you have to give it points for that. Like, Contact yeah. is perfect. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of 2001. And I, to me, that's like a good comparison. It's just... Well, and, and again, another one of those movies where they didn't sit there necessarily explaining everything. The only gripe that I have about it is having the, the beginning where she's explaining like the events, you know, up to that certain point. Um, and I know that that wasn't the studio. I've, 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 every time I mention that, people are like, well, that wasn't a studio decision. That the director actually said that's how he wanted everything to be paced out. I don't. If I really wished none of that was in there. Like, what? What do you mean? At the very beginning, she's in there, they're uh-huh. talking to her, like, you know, what happened? What yeah. happened? And she's and talking all she about says it. is, "I don't remember." Right, but yet again, you don't she like the sur- narrative device because it, it, it tells like it the, fr- the oh, end. you don't want the framing right. device. Yes. Okay, I yeah. get you. I get because I because I, once you got to that you point where it started okay. getting weird, you know, right. it's like okay, you know that she survives this. Well, yeah, and that's always or a tricky she? narrative device to use because, like, you know, it's when you watch Big Trouble in Little China, you know, Egg Chan is gonna make it through the whole movie, right. but it's like apparently the first Avengers movie has an alternate beginning where it talks to maria hill and it's just like the same kind of and they're like no no that doesn't work at all it's apparently a first avengers movie is an example of studio meddling that made the movie better but see i didn't i didn't see big trouble in little china for egg chen yeah i was there for jack burton well yeah i mean but yeah true so if it was jack burton i just don't like that narrative device. but yet again yeah yeah oh, it's, a, it's a risk like you yeah. said and that's always it's either gonna have a really good payoff in my middle or whatever about for me annihilation is another film where the middle is so good mm-hmm. that it's really hard to it the beginning and the end just for me could not make it up for how good the middle portion was but i i the one thing i will say first and foremost about annihilation one of the most beautiful films of the year like i just was i thought it was stunning like i love the look of it the 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 shimmer um, I also want to say is like you know there's a lot of people who are you know debate the horror uh, nature of this if it is a horror film uh, or a horror sci-fi more film. of a science fiction movie or yeah. thriller but no 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 but I'm saying that there are people who are putting this who are maybe making like a horror film list mm-hmm. and are putting it I will say I, the bear I, I, I will say this yeah now. I know but yeah. I I but I also that's why I like the top five so it doesn't get so so you're forced into what you really Agreed. believe. But I will say this: I think the bear was the most one of the most unselling things I've seen in any film. Yes, I mean it I'm really. Just Judy it, no, it really. I thought it was cool though. I thought it was awesome, but it, it's there's just very little that gets under my skin this this these this you know in this day and age. And I really was, was it the designer the screaming the screaming yeah, but the design of it too I thought was incredible. But it's just one of those films like. It's not in my, uh, I maybe in my top ten, oh, but it's just one of those films though that I really did enjoy it. It was um, uh, one of those things where um, it, it uh, it, it's one of those things where the middle is so solid for me, but the beginning and end is just not enough for me. I to like enjoy the it. middle just because it's like this weird, the whole riff on like apocalypse now where they're just you know gina or she's just slowly going crazy it almost reminds me of the weirdest thing i've made a comparison to is it reminds me of like a really dark lucas arts game from like the 90s like there was a game called the dig but it has you know that was on you know another 
uh, planet and stuff like interdimensional but i love it was the way in which they explore the world in which they don't realize you know 100 percent what's happening mm-hmm. I, I that's a very no matter how intelligent or tough people are because i love how they also that's one of my favorite flashback moments is seeing what happened to the previous group of soldiers because yeah. i mean that was also like really unsettling to me like i love that idea it's just yeah it was just a good movie it's just one of those ones that yeah i think a lot of people are going to have that on their underrated list this year or that they didn't enjoy as much the first time because i definitely didn't it was definitely way more the second time uh your number two see uh my number two is my dark horse um so i will also take a note from victor in that um my number two is a netflix pick um it was actually one of the first movies i watched this year and i thought it was uh was 2018 and i thought it was going to be my uh number one and that is the ritual yeah and um just watch this by the way yeah Finally, I, it was like because you 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 had mentioned it on the show, and I kept forgetting the name because it's you know to be honest, kind of a forgettable name. Sure. Um, and uh, and I just totally was just I saw it on Netflix one time. I was like, oh, that's the movie that Kirby keeps talking about, and I yeah. totally spaced that it was from Gareth Evans or Edwards. I can't remember. It's it's the other one is the this raid, is, the other yeah. is monster. So, I, yes. I, I like. I it think more. Gareth like, Evans is the raid. Gareth Edwards okay. is monster. Right. Right. Well, it, you know, the only maybe uh, there's nothing good about his passing, but uh, the Bill Pullman Paxton thing is finally oh, the rest yeah. that right. we no longer have to worry about which one you're talking about. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just um, uh, film just by chance. I'd heard saw some um online you know praise for it and stuff and i was the the netflix it's one another film where they of course pump it up for a week and just oh my god it's the second coming and then like you know never hear about again which is probably why you couldn't find it easily but um the ritual is just one that i saw it and uh, saw the kind of thing and i just thought it was going to be the um hills have eyes rituals deliverance some kind of backwoods trip these four guys were taking and um it was so completely different it's yeah. the, the second half is so i it's one i really if you've seen it do do not spoil it yeah, for people i will don't. not spoil it here and i really don't want anyone else to it is so evocative interesting that and movie made me feel just sick yeah that's you a know? good way to put like, it like yeah. it, it was just so well executed it's also like bare minimum i mean there is Uh not a lot in this film in terms of i mean the natural settings and stuff but in terms of set pieces in terms of actors i mean it's very minimal um it it has a great wraparound it has an amazing um to me personal like soulful story um and it just is one of those films that like i was not expecting anything like this and I just can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I really like cult movies, you know, in general, because just there's something about cults that really just speed me out in a massive way. And, you know, I think that when it comes to cult movies, um, this is one of the best, if not the best I've ever seen. It's mm. just such, like, the 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 things that happen, and, and it's like, you know, the, while the film is in its mystery point, you're just kind of like you don't know what is happening. You don't know what's going on. It has a very um the best unnerving nature of something like Blair Witch. Yeah, is definitely here totally um, because also of a forest environment. 
But I just, I mean, this film, I mean, I think if it had gotten a theatrical run, it would have had like a, a such a huge word of mouth experience. And I also, of course, it's just also one of those things because it's not um, uh, American. Yeah, um, that I do think that if it had been American people, it probably uh, actors, it probably would have been even larger. But that's actually what makes it better. The to tall me. order, and I think yeah. honestly, if the, a lot of people upon just going to see this movie, I think actually probably a lot of people pop it off on Netflix and just stop it. They don't even finish True. the movie just because yeah. it's like, what are all these people talking in oldie English and like all this stuff? Like, you know, I, I, for the people that are uh, able to kind of sit through that ride, um, you'll feel like your brain was scooped out of your skull. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's, yeah. that's a good one to end on. Yeah. Did did your number two pick scoop you out of your skull? Uh, yeah, y'all are crazy. It's Annihilation, and Annihilation is damn masterpiece. I'm really, I'm actually really surprised <laughs> this isn't your number one. So it I'm very was interested to hear for what your most of one. the year my number one. Like, um, and I was just like, just to, just because of how much Josh <laughs> spent on a cup. I really right. thought this was going to be your number one. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, I just like genuinely yeah that bottle actually yeah um, uh, yeah sorry it bottle, wasn't that much I, I, got, I got it for like 20 dollars. oh that's um, good but uh but you know i just like holy cannoli um i just think annihilation is brilliant and it's a film that like it continually stays brilliant um i you know i uh when ex machina came out i think it was my number four movie of the year um maybe number three uh, but it's, uh, I mean, ultimately, I think Ex Machina is a terrific film, but I just think Annihilation like is better in every way. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in terms of thematically what this is talking about in terms of interconnectivity. And, um, and I just think like the way that it's essentially talking about how we are all separated and how this essentially the events of Annihilation are about joining us all back together and um and that 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 theme is so perfectly executed like in the very beginning um you have the uh you've got the cell and she's talking about cells and she talks about how you know everything starts as one cell and then subdivides into two and and then goes into four and then you have um and then it like immediately the next scene is it cuts to the house um and she's uh you know there's a song playing and it's like saying like uh you know uh we are one together we are uh two apart we are three um uh, you know something like that and it's like and it's carrying forth that same kind of idea of the cell subdividing um and i just uh i i don't know like i can understand how it's a film that doesn't speak to a lot of people honestly i'm happy that it's, it spoke to as many people as it did um it's a film I've, I've heard coming up on a lot of people's top five of the year at least top 10 of the year mm-hmm. um but i just think that um in in terms of execution i mean i have read the book and this thing is like and and he's admitted it um you know alice garland has said he read the book once and it was a long time before and he wrote this movie based on his faint memory of the book um you know because he just liked the idea of area x and all that kind of stuff yeah and and he's the first to admit it and i i have a friend of mine who had read the book and loves the book and hates the movie because it's so different right um and i think you have to kind of look at those as two separate things um but yeah i mean annihilation is a movie that's just drips style um, you know, it's it's scary, and I agree with you on the Nightmare Bear thing. I mean, I I personally still think it's like going to be on top ten lists of scariest or most upsetting scenes in films. Um, but it is it is about that scream, and it's not just the the uh, the nature of seeing the bear or hearing that that scream growl thing, but it's the idea. To me, that's what gets me. It's the idea 
that something is murdering you. And then because whatever's happening within the shimmer is basically combining everything, it's like mixing everything up and sloshing it together into a big shake. Um, And that you basically become locked in your most horrifying moment of death and you live as this other creature that is also experiencing the terror and the pain that it caused this thing while it was killing it. And those two things are locked in one another. And so the way that that's, um, you know, kind of put out in this horrible growl scream thing. Yeah, better to go with the flowers if you're given the opportunity. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I also think that this movie, and, and this kind of goes to the ending, um, is that, you know, essentially this is a film that is a it's like everybody gets what they want um and and sometimes what they want is not good um but you know i think think that if somebody wants to you know just you know the person who's who's like constantly cutting herself and is like suicidal she just becomes she, she doesn't exist anymore but she does she's she's flowers you know and then you have um you know the uh uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, who's like so obsessed with this cancer eating away at herself, she basically emanates cancer. Um, and I do think that the whole beginning, the 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 bookend of the film is interesting because you know, like I guess you could is that actually her? And I think that upon rewatching, I can understand on the first you know viewing how that can be jarring, but I would say that those first scenes are so interesting when you watch it again kind of knowing what's happened and watch you when you watch it again and again and again and you're like oh wait a minute i kind of think i get it now like um you know like kind of see why she's saying things the way that she is um but yeah i i just absolutely love annihilation thought it was gonna be number one and and ultimately it could be my number one my number two are so close but i just think that my number one wins by like a hair but yeah absolutely love annihilation um so yeah it's my number two and adam your number two Solo, a Star Wars story. Nice. No, it's not. Okay, well, it's okay. It would have been only fair. It's my number one, actually, because it's (laughs) Solo, it's one. So it has to be, just by the nature of it. Avengers Infinity War is my number two. I I watched it so many times in the theater, um, and it it still doesn't get old watching it. And to have... All those characters built for all these freaking years and allowing them to do what they're supposed to be doing in this movie while not feeling like, wait a second, what happened to so-and-so? And then all of a sudden they show up. No, I mean, it's, it, they pace it out so well. And all the stuff that they're trying to do in this movie, I didn't even feel like it was as long as it was. Um, no, it's paced really there, well. There was enough... Um, surprises or you know are they going to do the snap is it going to be what you expect or not so i was prepared for it but when it actually happens it just devastated me and even though i knew it was kind of you know the the emotional manipulation i didn't like what kind of what they did with uh with with spider-man that felt a little bit manipulative but yeah um overall everything else they did and how they handled it I just thought was pitch fucking perfect. I mean, in the whole scheme of looking at all these movies and the, the culmination to this, um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but, and, and I know it's just a teaser trailer, but Endgame, I'm just kind of like, ugh, ugh. I kind of felt that way before this one too, though, and yeah. I ended up absolutely loving it. I mean, I think that's natural. There is just a certain amount. I think it's like where Kirby has already been for a long time of just like kind of like burnout 
from the Marvel Universe. Um, and personally, for me, I was afraid of that. You know, as somebody who was very much like I was not hot on Age of Ultron. And even there's a Civil War is a lot of parts of Civil War I don't really like at all. Yeah, um, I feel that you way know, about and, both And so, like, I, it's not like I'm, like, Marvel fanboy who's, like, Marvel can do no wrong. But I, I just agree with you. I just think that, you know, it just... It honestly didn't make my top 10 just because it's like, in a way, it's like, I almost don't view these Marvel movies as movies in this weird way. It's like, sure, it's, it's all, it's, it's an, an event. episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not just that. It's like an episode of an ongoing story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like almost like I don't, you know, it, it's just and a chapter. And I guess that's the reason why I don't usually include it in my, in my top of the years. But um, it's just in terms of what that film sets out to do and really you know, think about how difficult that is to weave all those characters and all these people that different people, like all different writers, right. Have created these different characters and then realized them on films through multiple different sequels. You know, you have like what Taika Waititi did in um, Ragnarok and then you've got to carry that forward. That's the new Thor. Oh yeah. And it it heavily, I think that's one of the reasons that uh, the Russo brothers do so well on this because they come from the world of like, directing for television right like you know i mean you know they used to direct like community and like to me this is like it kind of felt like the comedy hand is very heavy on this one yeah um i mean i think it's hilarious it's it's good i think it's a little too much at times and i I think it hurt the character that suffers the most from that i feel is uh star lord yeah i can i can definitely see you I, I mean i definitely feel that marvel films in general are just getting too funny yeah i, well, mean, I, totally I just i just don't think you can have the guardians of the galaxy in a film and it not crank up and and after thor ragnarok i think those two factors just made marvel like people were realizing like i said it's a risk they've yeah. always had humor but yeah. humor was at the forefront I, of both I those hope series. they balance it a little bit more in Captain Marvel, honestly. Like, I'm okay with it to this point, but I don't want, like, the space films to just be, like, the funny ones. I don't think they will. I think Captain Marvel's definitely not going to be that. I, I, I see Captain Marvel to be more along the lines of, you know, probably like a, like, like Doctor Strange was, yeah. Where it's like there's there's some comedic parts in there. There's the joke about the Wi-Fi, like whatever. Like there's there's going to be some jokes, but ultimately it's going to be kind of more serious ish. Yeah. Well, and like and I said, I'm not. I'm not. Internet. I am not a like probably the most. Oh, I I just have to say that that is the most ridiculous one I think I've ever heard in in years from a PR team, which are are ludicrous Boys. to begin with. The one where they she's. Hey, you want to break the internet? Because we're going to show a picture of Captain Marvel, and then no one gave a fuck. There, it was a promotion. I, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Um, sorry. Well, this yeah. summer they did a promotional thing right. for Captain Marvel. There had been no images released oh, yet, and right. it's like you want to break the internet. Ever since the whole Kim Kardashian thing, and they're oh, like, oh. we're going to break. I'm sorry, man. I literally thought this was that. That just goes to show you how limited it was because they, this was plaster on everything. Oh, it's gonna change everything. It's and it's like you're sitting there going, "Yeah, not really." Yeah, no, not really. But yeah, totally. it, it's like I'm still gonna go see it. But no, I, I has the same expectation level I had before. Yeah. I, I guess it also just to me is the level of the like the marking for superhero movies. Is like you were saying, I think that's the quality is the serial yeah. aspect mm-hmm. of it or the event aspect. But the other side is just that the the PR because of the necessity of having to make everything so huge. And like, oh my god, it's going to change everything. And they're just want, going like, Yeah, no. I mean, I'm of the opinion that when all is said and done with Endgame, 
that at the end of that movie, it either starts to tease either Doctor Doom or Galactus, or they really don't have a direction moving forward. Well, yeah, they've got to figure. So, but I mean, I, I think Fantastic Four is going to be in there. Um, you know, that's that's the next step. We kind of have to go there. But yeah, I just I gotta, love Got to keep trying. Just yeah. got to keep yeah. trying. Or even, on or that even one. like right. or even like mutants. They need to do. Yeah, something. sure. X Men. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, I just I don't know. With Dark Phoenix coming out, I think it might be a little too soon. But like. I think they'll give it a couple of years. Yeah. Um, Did but... they just give up on Gambit, by the way? Gambit's yeah. not happening. Yeah, okay, not okay. Happening. That's I, what I figured, I, like but I, I just said, didn't care believe, enough. I feel like there's a very good chance that New Mutants will never come out. Um, Maybe. But I just, I, I guess say, like, Infinity War, to me, um, was, uh, it was just, it's also an evergreen. It's like a movie I can just, like you mentioned, you watch it a ton of times out yeah. in the theater. Like, I can just watch that movie over and over and over again. It never gets boring to me. Um, also I do want to give a shout out to that movie and, um, it's like one of my big, big disappointments that the home disc of it, um, is not in 185 one ratio, um, because the entire film was in full IMAX, um, ratio. And that is very rare. I can only, I mean, honestly, I can count on one hand the amount of films that came out that were in full IMAX ratio. That aren't like entire film. documentaries. Right. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. there aren't IMAX documentaries, yeah. but actual fully feature films. Um, you know, obviously you have things like in, you know, whatever, like uh, The Dark Knight. You yeah. even like we just talked about with Mission Impossible, where it expands to that yeah, format. Yeah, Dunkirk. Um, yeah, Dunkirk. But like, um, you know, it was Prometheus was in full IMAX ratio the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and in- Infinity War was. I can't think of many films that were. Uh, Crimson Peak. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. Crimson Peak absolutely was. You are absolutely right. Which the uh, home Arrow, disc so. of of uh, Crimson Peak is in 185, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But so that was like a big issue. Is like because they release it in 235, and why did they do that? They should have just filled the whole screen. Um, I don't know why they did it that way, but um, it was just a beautiful looking movie. Another one that like is a 4K showpiece. Mm-hmm. You know, just that thing looks so gorgeous um, in uh, ultra high definition. Uh, but yeah, just great movie i want to say the one thing that's um i don't not 100 percent as repetitive but man i do not think i've watched a battle sequence that many times since helm's deep in the two towers the wakanda Mm -hmm. battle is so freaking awesome they do a good job on that perfect pacing and just the way and, and they set everybody up is just incredible i love it now do you i don't think like the russo brothers give the middle finger to you know previous filmmakers or anything but when i started seeing the the battle scene i mean what was the first thing that popped in your head when they started putting the, when they had the bubble kind of go over the oh, episode one yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think i mean not even a nod to that but just kind of like well right. if we're gonna do something like this i mean i, I got and a just, little worried at and that just point. killed jar jar in the process it's <laughs> now owned by the same company like <laughs> hey we could just make it happen Right. Which, by the way, I, I that has got to be, I think it was this year, they did the full reveal of that actor's story, and that is one of the saddest ones I think I've heard. Oh, yeah, uh, he's totally bummed out. Yeah. Jar- I mean, that's truly depressing. Yeah, I mean, you want, yeah you want to talk about... He said it ruined his career. Yeah, it ruined his, his entire his life. life. He was almost and... ready to kill Well, look himself. what happened to uh, little Anakin. Well, that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know all, if he's still in he's jail. All, he's all ripped and stuff now, so he's doing better. Oh, <laughs> that's good. I'm just saying, man. Shallow. At least he's ripped. He's ripped, yeah, he bro. Ripped. Like I'm just saying, do you even lift? Like, no, I'm saying that, like he he's at least one of those people. He didn't become like a chud, like in some of these other ones, and and you know, waste his life or you know, like completely go downhill. Right. It seems like he actually 
I mean, it seems like the guy had other aspirations. Like the kid from Unbreakable who just waited and waited and waited for that sequel. Oh, well, that too. But I was also actually thinking of, you know, or Haley Joe Osment, where you actually, you know, he's an actor now. who grew yeah. into his face. I like, totally. I like him in Future Man. Yeah, he's awesome in... Um, no, he's a great actor. I'm saying in, it's one of those uh, things. Silicon Valley, too. Yeah, he's yeah. one of those dudes. But I mean, it's like, you know, he had a rush shot thing, too. He could have gone downhill and he still made it out. I'm not, it's not, I'm trying to be vain or surface, especially looking at myself. Come on, give me a break. I'm, I'm nothing to look at or anything. What I'm saying is, is that I feel like a lot, a a lot of these people, thanks bro. Appreciate it. Uh, Very tight. Um, I just think that, uh, a lot of those, um, you know, like the, the thing about those stories down the line that you're finally getting to hear, it's, it's interesting to see what happened to some of these people. Like when you know the more full story of what happened to them as actors or as people, I don't know, man. I just, I'm just saying that, you know, they're taking the licks. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just a backlash of going, oh, you ruined Star Wars. Yeah. Well, Dude, I was nine years old. Yeah. Well, that yeah. too. But that's yeah. always my been. fault. Yeah. People are just awful. Well, and see, that's the other thing going back to the earlier thing about, lord and miller and solo it's like you have to have somebody who's going to take chances with your franchise else it's just going to get stale yeah and you're going to have like the problem we have with comic books where like kids don't buy comics like people our age buy comics well and it didn't help that you I don't had buy comics. you had the polarizing response of the last jedi yeah and then three months later you get yeah. solo yeah well and i think that polarizing response is exactly why they had to play it so safe in their minds with oh, sure, solo. they were panicking. Yeah, I mean, that's but when it they was were a bad move. Mode. Yeah, they should have. They should have through the. They should have trusted Lord Miller because that's the thing. If you're talking about some first time filmmakers who it's like you don't know what they're going to do, that's one thing. But they have consistently proven that they have right. a, a good voice and that they can make hits. And they should have just trusted them. Well, I mean, also, I well, I feel I feel there's this notion of like if you're going to do a trilogy, like the you know episode one, two, and three, or episode four, five, and six. Maybe you need to like storyboard out where that story is gonna go, oh, yeah, <laughs> and then like have like this is like these are the beats we need to hit, and then you can put your voice in as long as you hit. Wasn't well, that beats. kind of what Feige's doing? Like I mean, what? That's what they're doing with, with yeah. Marvel? I think that's exactly yeah. what Marvel. I mean, because that's that's I, yeah. some of the, some of the things that you would hear, whether it be Ant Man or whatever, whether you know whatever when they. That was maybe one of the first times that I heard that they were letting a director go because he had a different idea of where he wanted it to, where Edgar Wright wanted it to lead. But they said, no, no, you have to make sure you hit these points. It's the same thing, I think, with Age of Ultron, too, uh-huh. where Joss Whedon wanted to kind of go off script and right. not follow where they were. Yeah. And not really and, sharing where they were going with this whole and, grand sure. And I, I get that because in hindsight, I mean, the big problem I had with Age of Ultron is like it's there to set up other movies, and there's right. not much else to it. But yeah. I mean, my God, those Sokovia Accords were like fucking like seven or eight movies from that, and that's still a major plot point, mm-hmm. you know. So clearly, it had to be there to set that up. But I'm like, at the same time, they spent like what uh, Winter Soldier setting up um, uh, that one Nazi villain. I forget who is uh, with the. Baron Zemo? Not Baron Zemo, the other one, who, like, gets, like, knocked out in uh, the beginning of uh, either uh, at the beginning of the next Avengers movies in, like, two seconds, and he's, like, a pussy. Oh, oh, are you talking about Crossbones? No, 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 he's, like, Crossbones works for him. He's, like, the one who has the twins, remember? Um, 
I'm gonna look it up. Sorry. The guy at the beginning of Ultron is that the guy that has on? the twins is Zemo. It's not Zemo. Zemo is. Uh, oh yeah, no, you're right. Zemo is uh, is uh, is the guy from. from uh, Someone's yeah, yelling yeah. at us right now That's while true. we're. Well, good. This. No, I totally. That's how. Baron von Strucker. That's it. That's yeah. how forgettable he is. Yeah, like yeah, he's. They, right. they act like he's yeah. like a big deal at the beginning. Beginning of Age of Ultron, he's like taking out like nothing. No, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, yeah, that's what I thought you were talking about. Right. Yeah, but All yeah, right. um, yeah, awesome. Um, so your number two. Okay, Victoria. my number two. I, I mean, I, I'll get to. I, I just want to say the reason that Destroyer isn't my official number two is because i don't think any of you guys have seen it i mean it's also technically a this year movie it right? came out last year and like it's super limited release. yeah but i mean it, yeah and i get that that's always tough too because like for example one of my top uh, ones is revenge yeah which actually technically is listed as the came out in 2017 well, and that's like the whole thing with mom and dad like right. is that a 2017 or I, I counted it as movie? a 2017 because i saw it in 2017 yeah. and i think that's a good way to do it it's just the year that you see it yeah um but yeah dude i saw the trailer for uh destroyer when i went to go oh, see dude, the favorite it, holy shit it is fucking awesome it looks it's, rad it's a movie that like rewards multiple viewings if you like movies like heat or yeah. the salt and sea and I love both those movies. But yeah, that that would literally be my number two pick. Awesome. And like, I, I'll say that, but I also say like, I love Roma. I would probably be like, that's like, I feel like that's the best movie made this year, but it's like not my favorite movie made this year, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I'll just say Destroyer is okay. my number two, but awesome. I still think that like Roma should be. Dude, Roma's my number yeah. six. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, Roma is just an absolutely astounding. And piece yeah, of I'll tell this is one thing: if Roma came out theatrically, like yeah. like I saw it in a theater. Okay, a lot of people saw it in a theater. Most people won't, and I yeah. feel like the way to see that is in a theater. Yeah. I know the Loft in Tucson is going to show it in seventy millimeter later on this year. Awesome, and I think once people see it that way, they'd be like, "That movie is like fucking amazing." Yeah, but yeah. given the way, like you have to see it right now. Totally. I mean, and and you know, I mean, when I did my write up on it, I was like, "Look, look, this is like, I mean, if this was, and I think I almost said the same thing, like this is the, if this is the best movie." It's probably Roma, right? Like, yeah. Because, you know, because Roma just in terms of the filmmaking that's happening. Um, and really, I just think about those huge shots where you've got you know, thousands of extras. Yeah. And you've got these busy street scenes and like every single window, there's something happening. Yeah. Um, and yeah, dude, like um, just really, really great. And Alfonso Cuaron was already one of my favorite directors. Um gravity actually was a kind of a disappointment for me yeah i don't like gravity um, I, I wouldn't say i don't like it but it's just like when you when you come off of something like uh, children of men yeah you know it's like it, gravity is just a little light you know it's like it's a, you know it's kind of a popcorn movie it's a very well done popcorn movie but it's a popcorn movie but whereas i think roma is a film that is actually like as technically impressive as uh, technically impressive as gravity is. Yeah. If you really see what's happening on that freaking screen, it's very technically impressive, but it's also something that has 
you know more substance yeah and like i grew when i was growing up i spent a lot of time in mexico so he hit a lot oh, of emotional sure. beats for me so it's like that's like what mexico looks like in my mind i mean dude i've never been to mexico city in 1971 but yeah. boy i feel like i have you know? yeah and the thing is like if you have not gone like i mean i'm sure people like i've gone to rocky point i mean like if you've gone to like mexico well like, yeah i mean Mexi- I've, i lived in hermosillo for yeah a while, but like so oh I'm, I'm just speaking to yeah, regular people totally. yeah but i'm just saying like like guadalajara or mexico city like even up to the 90s it still looked like this yeah, movie does right and it's like you're in a different time like we i just went to uh progresso in uh in which is where like they have the mayan ruins mm-hmm. and like they're barely developing like tourism right we're there they're, there's video stores there that sell vhs tapes there's not internet it's yeah, like the yeah. streets are dirt roads it's like it looks like this movie and it's like that's one of those things where you're being able to transport somewhere and they do such a good job that it feels real. Yeah, and I just think that the sound design in yeah. as well is just is remarkable. And just every single shot. And I, I compared it when I wrote it up to Kubrick. I mean, mm-hmm. it feels like the closest thing we have to Kubrick in terms of the craft, you know? Oh, yeah, like when you watch Eyes Wide Shut, Matt London is a soundstage. Right. Or New York yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That, is a, that New York is a soundstage yeah. in London. But it just, it feels like like you could take any random still mm-hmm. from Roma and it's just a beautiful picture. Oh yeah, and I um, have the the coffee table book. Nice. That's <laughs> you know, awesome. it's like it yeah. is. It's just I, I would I would love to uh to speak on Destroyer. Um that is a very I mean as We'll soon as talk I saw about that, it later this yeah, year. As I'm soon sure. as I saw that trailer it became one of my most anticipated films of the year. So like I'm very interested to hear that it's it's so high on your list. Um, cause yeah, that's, yeah. It, movie looks rad. And I mean, I'm always, Hey, Karen Kusama, I'm all about Karen Kusama now. So, you know, bring it on for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and that brings us to your number one film of the year, Kirby. Is anyone really surprised here? What mine is going to be? <laughs> you knew. Well, I Mary just Poppins. didn't think you'd like goosebumps too that oh, much. Good though. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, I the easiest way here. I, I I never actually got to write the review Victor did for this one, but the um there I, I just there was no way A twenty four was going to take the triple crown, and Hereditary is not only my favorite film of the year. It's probably one of the best films I've seen in so long. I don't even consider it a film. I consider it experience. I literally could not stop thinking about this movie for probably a month after watching it um it is it just completely went um through every like facet and um synapse firing like i just i mean i've never especially from a first time director like and someone you know it's just i went in not watching any trailers really not really except for seeing like a like a teaser or something by chance it was um one of those films that Everything I wanted in a movie was there, and that's so rare. Um, I also have to say this is the... It's funny that a couple films have come out recently, I would say in the last few years, like The Void and Spring and some other things, that people who have you know have tried to, like, okay, this is the, the next leap in like Lovecraftian horror. Hereditary is the most Lovecraftian horror film I've seen oh, yeah. in years. I like, agree. Yeah, and it just... I thought The Void was, like, overhyped, though. Yeah, it, but it was, I mean, it wasn't a bad movie. It was just, that one wore its influence on its sleeve way too much. Hereditary, I don't even know where the hell this came from. Like, 
it is so again also it's, it's funny it's a movie that's like it's its own thing, thing. Yeah, yeah it's its own it's its own genre almost to a point but it's interesting that my top two films as josh was saying too cults are something that i just find very not only because they are are very real and and some of the horrible things that you find out and things and i would even extend it to something like gangs or um you know different um you know groups and stuff where there's uh, of course some blind allegiance and obviously many horrible atrocities i just but the it, it's it, it's almost indescribable. I don't even know if I could write a review because not only would yeah, it probably sometimes be you're like, too close yeah, to something, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. It would just become like novel length, but everything—the score, the the um the the cinematography. But I will say, and I, I and just everyone involved, all all the actors, the writing, the directing—it was just perfect. And I will say this: I am very, I am somebody who give a shit less about the Oscars, the Golden Globes, or any of this kind of stuff. But for the Oscars, I truly mean it. If Tony Collette does not win Best Picture, which she, Best Actress, which she's not going to win, but, I mean, truly, like, the most emotional, like, riveting performance. Yeah, I she think, is uh, remarkable in the film. And, and luckily, she's been getting a lot of kudos. Yeah, she does. You know, I listen to a lot of, like, the podcasts and even, like, the, the kind of, like, hoity-toity ones, uh, and they're doing their best performances. She's always getting mentioned in And there. it's true, but I, I also just feel, you know, they're going to pick some, you know, it's just like I said, like, people want to talk about the craft of acting or you want to talk about becoming an immersive experience. Yeah. I mean, uh, also on a Kubrick kind of level, like I have just never, it, it's one of those things. I mean, just her, it just, I mean, it's like one of those films that made me had like my, um, my, uh, you know, gripped in the seat, like literally, um, probably the only film I've seen in years that truly shocked me. Um, I have actually really kept this though. I, again, it's another one I do not talk about, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Yeah. Even though obviously the internet does a good job of that, but I will say the first um, shocking scene in it. I, everyone knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It it literally, I, I just mouth open for probably a couple minutes after. I just could not believe they did that, and in the way in which they did it, I was like, this is. Um, I I already knew I was in for it for um like a uh like i don't even know how to describe it i don't use the word catharsis and when i saw it i just like it even gives me like um like aftershocks thinking about it but i just i i there's i i could like go on for hours and it's and plus but those i mean i, I know it's a divisive movie i know a lot of people didn't enjoy it but i feel like in the canon of the way in which the witch was my favorite film in 2016 it comes at night was 2017 in Hereditary in 2018, I feel not only does A24 have an eye for like um, extremely talented individuals and um, ideas, but they really is is that I love films that are examinations of humanity and inhumanity, and all three of those films uh, are, are just tied together by pure paranoia. And, oh, and, uh, and I love how A24 isn't afraid with those three films, like, for example, you mentioned, of really plumbing the depths, you know? Yeah, well, and it's, it's a, another thing I think most films have a real difficulty um, uh, casting is dread. And dread is such a powerful, powerful emotion and um, an overwhelming feeling. And all three of those films, it's just, 
it is the epicenter of it. And I love films that just make me, um, they're, they're, and I can say about all three of them too. And this is what's really going to surprise people. I haven't watched any of them since I originally saw them. That's how powerful they were for me because I just don't know if I can again. Um, and it's, but I want to every time I just, I've always laughed at people who've said stuff like, I'm not ready to watch that again or whatever. You know, it's like, of course I can. I can watch it anytime I want to. But it's almost like I'm still so immersed in it, I want to keep waiting. Sure. So I just, I, I there's nothing else to say. I even, I even wore one of my three or four hereditary <laughs> nice. shirts nice. just to, awesome. to be fully the cheerleader for, nice. for it. But, um, but yeah. that, that was the same thing that I, I was going round and round about with my number one from last year was mother is for mm-hmm. the same reasons it's like I, I you know what i bought it i own it and i and it teases me it's like i don't <laughs> want to watch it again but i want to watch it again exactly I, and i don't want to recommend it to anybody but uh, i do i show mother <laughs> to people the only times i rewatch mother is because i want to show it to somebody you yeah, know? i remember you saying yeah, that you know yeah. but i mean i i don't even know if i want to be in the same room yeah, I kind of want to like I, I would what I would do is I, I remember doing this with the uh, Japanese movie Pulse mm. kind of blew my mind, too, mm. because it had all that sense of dread that you didn't really know what was going on for the entire film. Uh, and I remember showing it to to a group of friends that were over at my house. And what I did is I kind of helicoptered around like I, I would go like like around in, in the hallway and just kind of peek in and kind of see like where they were in the movie. I didn't want to like sit down and watch it with them. Yeah, I wanted to see the reaction, but I didn't necessarily want to sit down with that guy. I, I was afraid, like, either I would start acting out or making, like, little kind of cues huh. that I shouldn't because if I, you know, if I kind of, like, look over to see if they're ready right. to, like, experience this part or that part or whatever. Right. I just kind of wanted them to have, like, the same experience I had. Sure. Which is I a... was in the theater all by myself watching this. Film. I love what that, though, fuck? that that's such a great thing that um, can be an extension of film. Even something, like I said, you think is so landmark, uh, about 10 years ago, it had to have been 10 years ago, was at Chandler Cinemas. Um, they showed, a, it was like a full-out screen of Friday the 13th, and it's crazy to think people have never seen that film or the ending. Yeah, right. That's just, I mean, it's so, it's very uh, juvenile and surface, uh, definitely not on the level of extension, but it just blows me away that... Being able to have a reaction to a film that's that at that point was almost thirty years old, right. and it still evokes the same uh, jump and and uh, surprise. I just enjoy that. But yeah. then I love to be able to see. That's why I like the deeper cuts and those kind of films. Like I, I've had the same experience. I think I would rather watch someone watch Hereditary <laughs> than to watch it again. But yeah. I will also say, as my final note of it too. I gotta say the the last fifteen minutes has gotta be the most balls to the wall, yeah, it's thing I've there. ever yeah, seen probably in film. Probably it's almost weird. There's it's it's um there's funny. It's funny I've heard people say that they laughed at it, and it's weird because I go I kind of see that in a point. Same the way people kind of laugh. Their people the told end me of a quiet place. Well, that too, but uh, <laughs> well, no, it's just funny because one of the only other films I can say that that is is balls to wall. Besides, of course, my favorite film being The Exorcist. It's funny as I always say Dead Alive, which is more like the last 30, 40 minutes, but it, it is so uh, gratuitous and over the top. Hereditary isn't that way, but it also makes you feel that way. Yeah. And I love that idea. I love having a film 
like that. That can be, but also isn't. I so. just don't know if I can ever like get up for a drink in the middle of the night without just checking the ceilings first. That too. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a really good, it's a really good uh, pick, man. I, um, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, like I was expecting Hereditary to be this film that was like in my top ten, and it didn't make it. Like, sure. I didn't dislike Hereditary. It didn't. It, I didn't respond to it like I hoped I would. Mm-hmm. But in a way. The the thing I cared most about Hereditary is that you would love it, um, I'm and sure. I'm glad you do. You know because like I mean, and that was really that was the thing I was like because this is a Kirby ass Kirby movie here, right? And um, I just freaking I hope Kirby's happy with it. You know. Now, if only you'd fought those girls, both of you and Victor, to get me one of those fucking promos, I would have been. It would be. Um, it would have been the best the ever. Year's most rigged contest. Yeah, those <laughs> are pretty messed up. No doubt. Um, yeah. All right. So, so what, what did take number one for you, Josh? Well, I hope to not steal anybody's um, thunder here. But um, if, if it's everybody's <laughs> number one, we'll just talk yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, so I uh, should we just say it all on the count of three? All right. Uh, one, two, three. Mandy. Mandy. Yeah. So is it, is it Adams? Is, um, is that your number one? Is uh, my mm. guess would be probably, but. Uh, I don't know. I'll let him have his own moment. But, uh, you know, but if it is, it's a good time to discuss it. But, uh, you know, I just Mandy is a remarkable uh, piece of filmmaking. Like um, and I will say this, like I've I've rewatched um, uh, the, the Beyond a Black Rainbow. Um, and while that, which I don't like, I got to say, either. I'm with you at this point. Like I at the first time I saw it, I was like, this is a really interesting movie. But like, I think it's like almost like when you've watched Mandy and you watch this uh, that movie it's like it feels so like student film yeah you know? it's like thx 138 well, compared to star wars i mean i th- think thx is an incredible movie and i, I think comparing that to to, to be on a black rango is is, is 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 misguided but regardless <laughs> but but like i just think that um that that like mandy is like this next level creature that i just don't understand where the hell that director panos cosmatos like went into hibernation or something for eight years and came out with this film that um, is just like, there are shots in this movie that I still don't know how he did. And they have nothing to do with CGI. They have to do with lighting. There's the scene where they're laying in bed and the light is pulsing. And I just don't understand like what's happening. Like, is it like, does he have color changing lights from one side like and then is there like another color and it's like the colors are melting into each other and things are moving and it's like so psychedelic and so awesome um and then there's like there's one scene and you'll i mean if you've seen mandy multiple times as you know you all have you remember there's like the scene where you see the cabin from the outside and you're like looking into their bed area and i think what it is is it's like this big outcropping that's clear but then on one side there's a mirror but then it's like you can't tell what is reflection and it's just the the things that he does that he creates these moods um that honestly you're you're talking about this actually piggybacks off what you're saying before like i watch mandy a lot um because it's a movie i love and it's a movie i show people a lot but it's like every time i get to the middle parts like i just it makes me sick to my stomach like I just can't like it's like and, and and I get literal panic attacks watching Mandy. I get an actual full on panic attack every time I watch Mandy, but yet I watch it and then by the end I feel amazing. You know, um because it's that it's that powerful. Um yeah, just 
Mandy is remarkable and, and it just like the multiple levels at which it operates the fact that yes it's just a revenge it's like a revenge movie but that it's also like this mystical like you know swords and sorcery like 80s heavy metal magazine inspired kind of thing as well yeah um have you know and also heavy metal music and heavy metal album covers um, yeah to me it feels like like sort of like el topo or something where it's like el topo on the surface is like this western right about a father and his son and revenge but like it's also this like weird psychedelic mystical film right that like is operating on quest yeah kind of yeah where it's working on a completely different level for like from what it is on the surface and i kind of think of mandy is like that same way like i could you know like you know i'm not gonna advocate drug use people but i will say if you watch mandy on a substance that makes your life a little easier day right. to day it makes you a little more open to some ideas in it too because i've watched sure. it that way too sure but i also enjoy it on the surface of totally. like it's just but it's also like those middle parts where it gets real dark yeah it's also like it makes those parts darker too yeah like i can't stop thinking about the fact that if you were to hang somebody up by their feet and wrap in a sleeping bag mm-hmm. and then burn them to death sleeping bags are fire retardant yeah they're, they're designed to be fire retardant for a reason because they're close to campfires yeah so it takes a long time to burn a sleeping bag and so the idea of being inside of a sleeping bag that would take so long to burn to death yeah and i can't think of any more like the most agonizing death possible would be being burned to death that is actually trump's yeah. it. and i can't stop thinking about it like when i'm in that moment in that movie and I'm watching Nick, you know, the the Nicholas Cage's face, and I'm yeah. like, I just and and it's all on his face. Yeah, like, he acts his ass off in this movie. Yeah, anyone who like denigrates Nicholas Cage's acting ability because of his tax problems has like not watched this movie, right? And it's like that scene on on one sense. If if you watch the whole of the movie, that's where Nick, they were red dies and like the god man that uh-huh. he is at the end of right. you know where he's like you know i'm god now like because he sees it it's a literal burning bush crucifixion scenario there that awakens into turning him into this like i would yeah i would say it's thing. the first step yeah i would say that that last step is when he drinks the potion or whatever yeah. you know like and that's when the, the transition is yeah. complete at that point um, but yeah, and, that's the and, beginning and of the end of his and, humanity. And, and what people who haven't seen this movie, like, the, base, the basic gist of the movie is, you know, it's set in the early 80s. It's a lumberjack and his artist's wife who live in the woods. And uh, there's, uh, you know, a cult leader becomes obsessed with his wife, takes her for his own. And then when he can't have her, kills her. And then it also involves acid, uh, psychedelic hell bikers. Right. I mean... It, it's it's a thing. It's like a very unique thing that melds things that really don't go together, but works in a really like crazy way. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, you know what it reminds me of, and this isn't stylistically at all what this is like, but um, it reminds me of like uh, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. right? It's like or or even Reservoir Dogs because these are things that Tarantino just loves. Like he loves like seventies grindhouse films. He loves soul music. 
you know he loves like you know gangster films right he loves like all these different things and he loves like you know hong kong action movies right so when he makes a film he just takes all these things that he just loves and he throws them into the movie and he mixes them together and for some reason it works and Mandy's the same way. Again, it's not thematically similar, but you can just tell Panos Cosmatos loves like old fantasy novels and he loves like heavy metal, like, you know, like culture. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like during during the credits, it's like um, it's it's King Crimson that's playing. Right. And right. it's like and I'll, I'll have to say the one unsung hero in this is Johan Johansson, which is oh, his absolutely. last score before yeah. his untimely death and he did like the score for many of dennis Villanueva's best movies mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a sad but i mean it's such a good score yeah and i mean he was going to be doing the score for uh blade runner 2049 yeah. um before he wasn't and i almost wonder if it's because he had health issues yeah um, i think that blade runner 2049 score is pretty tremendous but i would really love to have seen what johan johansson would have done with it um yeah it's uh mandy is something else man like and it's and it's just one of those movies that i mean everything about it the poster is incredible mm-hmm. the soundtrack is incredible the the releases of the soundtrack have been incredible the, the there's like special editions it's like it's this cult movie it's almost like the the very definition of like kind of what we're here for in a way yeah. you know is like it's like it is this is gift wrapped perfect cult classic that so many people still have not even heard of. Yeah. Like, I have been singing this movie's praises, and I'm sure a lot of you have as well. And there's still a lot of people, like, they've never even heard of this movie. And it's like, yo, check it out. Seriously. Um, yeah. Hey, Adam, what's your number one movie? Well, I, I knew everyone was going to have Mandy. Oh, well, not everybody, because I know <laughs> Kirby's opinion on Mandy. But uh, it is my number one. But... I have something that is kind of a sidestep that doesn't even belong in a in a top number system only mm-hmm. in its own universe is it oh, not my number one I, but I it's my it's it my it's my jam it's uh-huh. my thing and it transcends all other movies I know awesome what this is. I don't know what it is Neil Breen's Twisted I Pear I knew it I knew it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you watch stuff that, that people say you watch it ironically, uh, you know, instant, just weird, what the fuck, is this person serious or not? I mean, you can throw in, like, the Tommy Wiseau thing, but sure. I think that was kind of a fluke, and I think that he is kind of an enigma just based on his own kind of quirkiness, but there is something about Neil Breen movies that just... There, there are so many different podcasts out there that just talk endlessly about Neil Breen and all his movies. He's still making movies. He's he's made I think like five up to this point, and they're all just as weird and nonsensical as the last one. Uh, to where you don't know if he he's just he's an actual filmmaker, or if he's just, or if he's an alien, or if he's uh, doing something that is way before its time uh i'm so fascinated i've never seen any neil green films i wanted to go to that screening and couldn't make it yeah and i'm so fascinated to hear you we, say we had stuff. well i was the one that pushed to get it booked right yeah he did i really hard and against like everybody else's opinion because they just didn't get it 
it's it, this is where it's like it's like a cult, like a Neil Breen cult of people who right. just are totally on board and think that everything that he does is some sort of a transcendent uh, uh, kiss from a god type thing. Because wow. the, the the certain events or certain uh, plot points that that occur make you question everything you've ever watched in your life. <laughs> That's amazing. And what the intent of, intent of a writer, a filmmaker, uh, the approach, the deconstruction of 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 how movies are 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 made or approached, there there are things that happen that just get totally thrown out the window. There are thin, things that are uh, completely nailed on the head, but uh, it's really hard to unpack. His stuff is really hard to unpack, but. Uh, He's a god. People think he's like the the second coming. Where would one watch this? Uh, you would his you, website. Well, he he sells his movies okay. directly from his own house. Um, yeah, they're just they're they're purchases directly from him on so maybe physical a media. situation, perhaps. I'd be interested. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I own everything, and they just they come on burned DVDs, right? His his catalog. There's not even there's. Uh, Which, by the way, I still own occasionally on, on different uh, like it'll go like a month to years, and I still get people who are like, "Can I get the Evil Dead supercut or the, uh, <laughs> the black and chrome like mm-hmm. like because I posted them and people are right. just like, "Can I please buy it from you?" No, nope. sorry, sorry. No, That's one of my treasure possessions. Limited edition. Limited. Unlimited. I've got like an area of like all my most treasured like DVDs and Blu-rays, like it's separate from all of them, and it's in my my shining chrome is in there. Yeah, sorry, shining chrome. Yeah. Well, that's that's very nice. That, that's it very is. Flattering. They're incredible. Uh, and and I mean, I'm because I, I I guess I st- I still want to uh, say a couple other things, but I, I, on on that tangent, um, I'm working on a, a cut of the Last Jedi. Oh yeah, I saw your post. No, I, I, if you still need help with that, let me know. I was yeah, just no in one's a very really chimed busy... in. I asked a good friend of mine that I've known my whole life. I was um, in. That uh, we were kind of. We grew up at the same wavelength. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was in the middle of writing a lot of things at the time. But yeah, oh, let's talk fine. again. About I can that. submit my five minute version if you like that, because <laughs> that's probably about it for me. Um, I, be- I bet we can find a movie in there you'd like. It should it. just be like Luke. Throwing the lightsaber, drinking blue milk, and then disappearing off of the rock. Right. Boom. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Well, I, I, I'll tell you right now, the, the, the rough cut that I have of it, and made, it most, most of it is just uh, doing the, the transitions and the cuts and cleaning those up. I, I think I have it down to like an hour and 12 minutes mm-hmm. without the uh, oh, wow. credits. Hmm. Um, anyways, but Neil Breen... After I, I was I was so excited to see that the tickets were selling really well. It wasn't completely sold out, but it got pretty dang close. I awesome. saw that. Uh, so everybody all around was you know happy. Of of course you know my my bosses were very happy with that. But then the feedback that came back. A lot of the people that went to this screening have never been to Alamo before. They were excited that. They were having, uh, you know, a Neil Breen movie, and they're saying, you know, are you going to do the other ones? Do the other ones? Do the other ones? But the 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 emails or the feedback that came back, so many people saying this was like the best experience in a movie theater I've ever had. Awesome, that's cool. Man. And it, 
the the Breen movies kind of goes against like the Alamo, you know, don't talk, don't text. I mean, I, well, I mean, obviously not the texting, but it is it's a reaction to the the events that are going on to where you can't really contain yourself. That it's okay, not that we're mystery science theater type things. Some people were doing that, and that's mm-hmm. annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But but the reactions to stuff like oh my god, Neil, no. You know, or, or just like, oh, you're laughing. Uh-huh. I mean, it was like, a, it was so boisterous. And it was the first time that anybody saw that movie. Awesome. So to have like that reaction, it, it, that's why it wasn't like a mystery science theater where you've seen it again and again or a Rocky Horror type situation. It's like all of a sudden when you watch it for the first time, it, 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 it invokes these reactions. So you heard it here first, folks, uh, Neil Breen's fateful findings no twisted, twisted pear. pear is his most recent. that was okay so twisted pear sorry i was thinking of one of his older yep. films yeah so twisted pear is everyone's number one movie all over and you don't even know it exactly you just don't understand yeah it's not know. even number one because it's the breeniverse right right it's number breen yeah awesome it's just another i'm excited to watch this movie i gotta say i want to i want to have this transcendent experience should I watch any of the other movies first to like prepare myself? He does have things that he references okay. throughout all his movies. There, there seems to be something that is pro- propelling from the very first film all the way to this one. Right. But I don't think it's necessary. Awesome. I, it, because there, there is... His style, his themes really have not changed. Right. Even though he says, oh, this one is, is the next film that I'm doing... And it's completely different from the last thing I did. Well, no, it's no, it's not. But I don't know. But there's something in his brain. I don't know what his brain is thinking is different. Yeah, that he's doing. I mean, on a very surface level, yes, you can say, well, instead of that being a rock, now it's a, a frog totem or okay. a cat totem or something. Sure, sure. That's where it's different. But it's it's utilized in the exact same way in his awesome. other movies. All right. Um... I mean, I'm, I want to be educated. You're educating me. Well, once you go down that rabbit hole, you're going to be a changed person. Awesome. I can't wait. I'm excited in a genuine way to watch this. I'm always interested in new experiences. Should we do a few um, like honorable mentions? Real yeah. Quick? We'll just throw them out really yeah, quick. Yeah. I just want to say, because I, I, I've got my um, list. I, I think we've covered a lot of them. Um, my uh, number six was uh, Roma. Uh, which we talked about. My number seven was Revenge, um, that I do want to uh, give some love for. I still absolutely love that movie. Watch it again. Still, uh, that really is, enjoy and it. just just really, I'm yeah. sorry, just real quick, because I have to say something about uh-huh. that. That's another one of those that if you do not buy into the big like plot point uh-huh. in that, it ruined it for me. Yeah. After that yeah. point, I was gone. But right. I mean, if you know, if that's, I mean, I think it's a similar film, not in execution, but you know, in to Mandy. You know, I mean, it's a there's a kind of a transition that happens there. Um, But uh, my number eight was uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, which I really liked. I think we talked about on the last episode. Um, uh, Number nine was Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, which I think is probably too low. Um, But uh, and my number 10 uh, was Bumblebee. I freaking love the Bumblebee. I don't think we haven't talked about it um, because I think it was after our last recording. But damn, I love Bumblebee. Bumblebee is such Mm. an awesome movie. so good. And then I also just in terms of uh, straight up honorable mentions, I do want to uh, <clears throat> just throw some love out there for a movie I just saw recently. 
and was like bowled over by how much I loved it, um, which was Crazy Rich Asians. That's a good movie. Like, I, I was like, it. holy crap, this movie's so freaking good, dude. It's like so entertaining. It just makes me feel happy um, and really funny and just pretty to look at. Like, I loved Crazy Rich Asians. Um, super good. Um, definitely saw The Favorite, which was really, really good. Probably wouldn't have cracked my top 10. Um, and uh, other one I want to say is um, uh, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Just uh, absolutely talking about just bawling your eyes out through an entire movie. Yeah, no, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, I, that's that's one that. that I'd really love to yeah. see, yeah. but I, I would have to be alone. Yeah, to watch. Uh, it's worth yeah. it. Do it. I Lock yourself in a room and watch the freaking movie, and it's just, I mean, it really is. It's uh, have Hanky's ready, It's uh, but it's it's kind of a movie that we need right now, but um, yeah, it's, it's a really great movie. Any other uh, honorable mentions, Al? No, but you guys. Uh, I mean, uh, let's see, which ones did I mention? Uh, I really liked The Favorite a lot. I thought that was really funny. Um, I mean, I, I feel like uh, Yorgos Lanthimos is, like, growing on me. I, I, like, I didn't like The Lobster all that much, but I did, come, like, come around to it a little bit. I really liked Killing the Sacred Deer. I liked The Favorite a lot. It reminded me of Barry Lyndon. Oh yeah, you know the, the it's shot very beautifully. It's a it's and Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz are both really good in it. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, Vice, I really enjoyed. Um, it's a a different kind of movie. It's just like a sketch, literally, <laughs> of what uh, of what you know one man thinks Dick Cheney was probably like. Right. And I think Christian Bale is very good in it. Um, Hereditary was on my list. Uh, so was Spider-Verse. I'm sorry to bother you. Um, and uh, Elizabeth Harvest, which I, in terms of genre movies, I really enjoyed oh, yeah. that movie. Yeah, you did talk that one. Yeah, and Sebastian Gutierrez. It's, like, beautifully shot. Like, so good. Um Halloween I really enjoyed. Um, there was this really odd movie that came out earlier this year called Terminal that had um, Margot Robbie in it and Mike Myers and Simon Pegg. Um, it's weird. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but it was like something I thought was pretty interesting. Um, upgrade. Um, and I will say that uh i really wish i had liked suspiria more but it's still something that's worth watching oh yeah definitely need more for you black klansman bohemian rhapsody green book hearts beat loud mid-90s I really want to see mid nineties. Yeah, that was, it was mid nineties. Kind of reminded me of a like Florida Project. Oh, really? Okay. But not as um, not as deep. It's just kind of like a snapshot of time, like kind of like eighth grade in some ways. Right, too. right. Um, I mean, the kids are fantastic in it. Uh, you know, kind of like a Larry Clark vibe to gotcha. it as well. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Cool. But not not as uh, emotional, right, as, as right. it probably could have been. It was just kind of like this kid trying to like find like friends and and connect with his brother. And, awesome! And I'm definitely gonna have uh, you pick that up from the video store for me. Oh, and I actually that reminds me, one of the other um, honorable mentions I wanted to throw in is a movie called Minding the Gap, 
Um, if you guys haven't seen this, it's a Hulu original documentary. Um, really, really good. I would say like it's up there of the best documentaries of the year easily, but it's about like the, basically these, you know, three skater kids, but it's made by this um, guy who, I mean, I think he's like in his early twenties and he's been essentially just recording him and his skater friends for ever since they were like, you know, teenagers and it's all this footage put together and it's just really, really well realized. Um, so yeah, Minding the Gap uh, is really good on Hulu. Yeah. Oh, and a lot of people were really talking up the other side of the wind, Orson Welles. Last I did movie. watch that. I wasn't really that into it, but what I will say is if you have a choice of watching that or the documentary about the making of the movie, yeah. Yeah, which I remember is called They'll Love Me then. When I'm Dead. The documentary is way that. better. Yeah. It, it, honestly, I watched it before The Other Side of the Wind, and I was like, you know, and then, but, but you had already prepared me. Yeah. You know, like, I was like, boy, I kind of wish The Other Side of the Wind was as good as The Love Me When I'm Dead, like, makes it out to be. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Yeah. I'll throw out a quick few just because I want to mention them. I mean, there's probably tons I'm forgetting. It's, it's hard. So I just had to kind of look up some lists. But I do want to say, especially because I'm, I'm not a fan of his films at all, but I really did enjoy Isle of Dogs. I, I yeah. love the immense amount of craftsmanship. And, uh, um, you know, to make a film like that in this day and age when you could just cheat and just make to do it by hand and it has so much heart in it it was such a beautiful film it's so funny i too. mean yeah it's really really sweet and funny and enjoyable i mean i you know I, it's just really enjoyable that, that's all i can say i, I just had fun with it the um another one like a comedy i didn't expect to be funny because it just looks so cookie cutter and stupid but really, I, I I loved was uh, game night. Yep. Yeah. I, I I game just, night is really funny. I just didn't expect. I it almost to be half good. expected that to be you know like your girls' trip. Yeah, this year. yeah, yeah. It but was. It, you're right. It's not. No, that. No, yeah. Night school is also really funny. Yeah, I've heard that. I'm gonna check that out probably here in the next couple of weeks. Um, a one I really a sequel I didn't I did not expect to be good, but absolutely loved was Strangers Pray at Night. Um, I'd also really recommend that. It's just a very much a love letter to like 70s and 80s horror without being, I mean, it has some very direct homages, but still is its own thing. And even though it follows such a simple premise like the original film, it was uh, still still enjoyable. Um, you know, and, I, you know, I kind of, like I said, I just kind of go through these lists and stuff and really try to remember. And there's a lot of stuff, too, I could say was super overrated this year because that this has got to be one of the lists of most overrated films. And then some bad ones, but I'll go out on a positive note instead. Yeah, we'll do negative yeah. ones. Well, no, that, that's that that could be a whole episode yeah. in and of itself. But um, you know, it's it, it's really hard, like documentaries and stuff. Like I see a lot of good stuff this year. It's funny I see more um, what you consider like short form things and stuff, like where people are making maybe fifteen, twenty, thirty minute documentaries, and they're having the effect of a full length. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, but I, there is no documentary that I, I could ever put how unbelievable. It's sad that it only got a Fathom Events release, but is uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. No, it's actually getting a full yeah. release now. Because it, it was a sellout show. It was yeah. completely filled. And you've got a lot of people you might expect to see are older adults and stuff, mm -hmm. veterans and things. But Peter Jackson's work on this and, and being able, because he does that, like they do a 20-minute behind-the-scenes afterward. Yeah. And you realize the immense amount of love and labor that went into this. And, uh, you know, it's 100 years since the armistice. And there are, I mean, people, I, there are people, of course, this generation who don't know shit. But they definitely don't know, I'd say the most population, 
doesn't even know about World War One, why mm-hmm. it happened, or how it fought, or how it affected into World War Two. I and mean, World War One is the reason so many conflicts happened afterwards. Um, but to see it colorized, to see it um, stories told with it, they just let it kind of run, but do it their own way. But when, because it starts off in black and white, like vintage footage, like a million times that you saw in classrooms and stuff, but it eventually goes wide and in color. And when it hits, it is unbelievable. It, it is just one of the most gorgeous looking films. It's so important um, that people understand because it's not, this is the biggest part is people don't understand. It's not uh, glorifying warfare. In fact, it's like the complete opposite as most good documentaries on combat and stuff will tell you. But it's being able that we're running out of stories, you know, that uh, people where they're they're turning it too much into uh, uh, dramatizations of things like this instead of just telling a story or letting the people tell their own story who lived through it. Um, there's a lot of revisionist history, especially now. We live in the ultimate age of revisionist history. So um, I really, um, being able to see that and stuff, I just think is so important. Um, and it really allows... Uh, a lot of information, especially in the the supplemental part with uh, Pierre Jackson talking about how many different directions he could have gone in with this one. I just I had to add that that was originally going to be my only honorable mention, but I had to give it a little bit more time because it's it was just so good. So awesome. definitely worth checking out. Awesome. So thanks for sticking with us for almost three three, three hours. hours. Um, extravaganza. We appreciate it. This will make your work day go Thanks for faster. Adam for coming because we miss <laughs> you and we love you. See you next year. Hopefully, before Hopefully then. I'll see you before then. Hopefully, Hopefully you'll, you'll you can join us, us again. with your presence Please. before then. But uh, your glory, at the very least. Brother Adam is is his beard is reaching glorious proportions. You so guys don't even know. Yeah, we can definitely speak of it. It's. Uh, I wish my beard was that glory. lustrous and yeah. like, like straight. I mean, I know it's wavy, but like it's you know. I mean, I, we have different levels of curliness in our beard. Uh-huh. You have just the awesome fro beard, you oh. know. But mine's like in the middle of that, and that's. Yeah, I wish I. Had, like, I just wish I had a beard, <laughs> but it's cool. It's another, just another episode of Three Bears and a Twink. So uh, thanks for joining us. Anyway, thanks for joining us, guys. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, if you like what you hear. Feel free to give us a good review on iTunes. Spread the word to your friends. We'll be back soon with more explorations in the realm of film. Until next time, I'm one of your four hosts, Victor Moreno, along with Kirby. I'm trying to think of something from Hereditary to say, but I'm just too tired after three fucking hours. He can't even think of making a click noise. Yeah. There we go. That's what I should have done. Sorry. Thank you, Victor, for filling in. Joshua T. Ruth. You're a vicious snowflake. And Adam Rutkowski. I'll always be right here. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, rock and roll me till I'm dead.